Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. Back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast and Boxhead. The top four seems to have surged. A couple of teams have uh, definitely emerged. One on a bit of shaky ground. Two fighting for a top four spot this weekend. And uh, a bit of a contender emerging that's been sleeping for a little bit in South Sydney Rabbitohs as well as the top eight. Basically all but being sorted now bar one team with a mathematical chance in the New Zealand Warriors. Yeah, interesting. They went on the radar two weeks ago, but they've sort of flown in and uh, they've got a little bit of momentum and if they can knock Parramatta off this weekend, they head into the Sharks and, uh, yeah, it'll make things really interesting. Yep. If they can win their next two. 100%. Now jumping straight into our set of six, six topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about, welcome to the fifth and last NRL podcast. If you're here with us for the first time or welcome back if you're here with us on a weekly basis and tackle one, uh, getting more into the football stuff after a lot of off-field drama the last few weeks. The Roosters and Souths starting to emerge at the right end of the year. We've had South Sydney all year, uh, be a bit clunky, very error-prone, very reliant on that back line, not really getting a whole lot through their forward pack. But as we've weighed our way through this COVID-affected season, uh, their forward pack's got better. They've really worked their way through their squad and that bench, which I talked about at the start of the year being something I was worried about. But now uh, I think they found a really good bench, in particular the player in Colin Matungi, who was more an edge bringing that dynamic footwork with the rule changes, making an impact there to Toller, Burgess, the spine, starting to find a bit of form. And I guess up until two weeks ago, they hadn't really taken a big scalp, but made a statement against Manly, which you want to look at and thought, okay, that's that's a pretty hefty result. Let's see if they can back it up. And they certainly did against Parramatta on the weekend. They did, yeah. Uh, I don't know what to make of South. I guess the real good thing for us is we get a real... Losing, losing the troll Mitchell's going to hurt them. So that that I'm not sure whether they could have won the comp before that, but uh, the biggest thing for them is they've got to finish top four. So they've got to keep this form up. Uh, they're going to have to try and push their way into the top four. The best thing is now they've got a big result over Parramatta, and Tails Parramatta right look up. like they're sliding. Uh, whether that's you know a high training phase or whether it is a form slump or a confidence slump, whatever it is for Parramatta, they need to get that rectified ASAP. Because we just know how important it is to finish top four. If you don't, if you don't finish top four, you might as well just put a red pen through yourself. Because no one in the current final system uh, has won it from outside the top four. Now, eventually, someone will. Yeah. But from an odds perspective, 
you know, you, you really your odds decrease significantly if you if you're in that bottom four. Yeah, well, Not saying you can't win it, no, but, but you know, you've got to win four straight. You're going to be away from home. Heavy year. Usually you have Origin this year. Yeah. You've got no Origin, no buys. You've played all the way through, and you're going to get no breaks. That mate, that the That's week the off. The, the, the two teams I think that will play in the grand final will have the week off. Will have that week off in the first week. The two that win that to get that week off is going to be like absolute gold. Yep. So Could to finish top four is. Yeah, you know, it's probably more important this year. It's always important, yeah. but it's even more important in, in this current climate and in this season. So the Roosters, we knew if they got their players back, they're going to be hard to hard to beat. I don't know whether... I'll probably favour the Roosters if they're fully fit over Melbourne. Yeah. And I still think... I think it's still more talent I still think Penrith, at this point in time, are ahead of the Roosters. But if the Roosters get their whole team back on the park and play good footy... They, they can beat Penrith. And again, the question... No, no doubt about that. Yeah. The other question we don't know about yet is it is a very young Penrith side. There is yeah. only a handful of guys that have played... So I'd rank them one, football. two, three, and I, I truly believe that any of them could win depending on how things play out. Mm. Uh, and then for the rest, I just... I don't know. They're, they're too inconsistent. They're too patchy. They're up. They're down. You know, Souths are on a streak at the moment. Power on a slide. Canberra are just tough. They're, they're gritting away. I think Newcastle and Cronulla are a joke, to be fair. Uh, so it just yeah, there's a little bit of toing and froing to be done with those the bottom five teams, but um, I think they're playing for you know bronze and silver medals anyway. No, yep. I don't think any of them are going to get the gold medal. Well, I agree with you on the rooster side. We talked about it the whole time, and an upside to again what I said last year. They never had their spine on the field. They had constant rotation. They had chopping and changing. But the development that came from the players that were outside of the squad, who were already a lot sharper than most of your juniors or most of you guys come to the grades because, as the old saying goes, steel sharp and steel. They're training with top-class guys. They've got a great coach. They've got a great system. We're seeing the benefit of that again this year. Yeah, exactly. With your butchers. Your, like Satili Tupanua, I really, really liked last year, but the emergence now from a guy that basically come through playing predominantly as a middle, he's running on the edge. Like I, I use the word only a few times to relate to some people, and the other guy I've used this word for is Katoni Stag for the way he runs the football, but... He runs violently, mm. very violently. Some of those inside-outside lines, the way he hit the ball on the weekend, uh, his skill level, his improvement. Now, Butcher, again, I still don't think is elevated to that next level, but more than certainly a first-grader. Lindsay Collins' extra time on the field. All these guys getting extra time yeah. is nothing but a benefit for the Roosters. And then we talk about what's just come back this week in Daniel Tupo, the two Morrises missing a couple of games, and said it the last few weeks for a lot of people that are saying James Tedesco's playing poorly. I don't know what game of football you're watching. He's playing with less help around him. He's essentially changing the way he's playing and developing himself even further more as a first and a second receiver to compensate for the fact that they haven't had Luke Keery. They haven't had a second nine option in Jake Friend, so he's had to get more creative and be more hands-on with the football. Mm-hmm. And the other night, getting all those guys back, having rested and you know alternated their team and got all these younger guys some extra football is looking a la last year again, mm-hmm. that they've built up their squad. The only real question would be still if Jake Friend went down, and we saw again the other night a head knock, and Lussick did a great job, but I don't want to get too excited like some people seem to because it was against Brisbane. If that's against a Penrith or a Melbourne, that would con- that would worry me. It's not saying he doesn't have a great future, but he is a boy right now. It's not a man. I don't think he's built if they lose him to play 80 minutes every single week or rotate with Orbison or however they would cover for that. They would be more likely needing... Hutchinson to stay on the bench or a Lachlan Lamb to get healthy and come back and maybe play that role because I think physically he'd probably handle that a bit better in the middle. Mm. But their only real concern for me right now 
considering that Angus Crichton's a week away or two away, um, you know, all those guys that came back. They've got in some nice last headaches. Week. Real yeah. nice headaches. Kiri potentially not this week, but the week after. Their real question right now is who fits into the side and how well, they use Sonny Bill. Like, again, said at the start, I don't see that I as think a. The majority of that's not really going to be worked. It's going to be worked out based on who's available, yeah. obviously, and who's injured, etc. But you're going to work that out on the training paddock. Yeah, but the initial talk who's, of who's like, you know, combo. him back and like he's not going to be what everyone blew up about. Like he was coming here and going to be some absolute world-beating game-changer. I think he's going to get 20, 25 minutes off the bench, and with the versatility they have in their forward pack, he'll play as a middle or an edge or however they see fit. Yeah. But now is exactly that. Does Angus Crichton push Satili out? Does Satili's form justify that he stays and Crichton stays on the bench? And then how do you figure out the rest of your rotation? It's a great headache to have. Yeah. Because Jared and Tokiaho are back. Corden is back in there. Uh, Butcher... Lindsay Collins, all these guys, Palasite, they're, they're going to be fighting for bench spots. So they're in a really, really strong position heading into the finals. Yeah. As long as they obviously don't pick up any injuries in the next few weeks. Kiri comes back successful and they have a couple of good weeks. Uh, and this week they're basically playing for a top four spot because between them and Canberra, their for and against is significantly better. Mm-hmm. 150 or so points better. So if they win this one here, they could probably afford to lose a game on the run home. And if they do end up square, the for and against is going to be enough of a shield. So, uh, good signs for both. South, like you said, I think the bigger question is Johnston coming in and doing that role. I definitely don't think he's Latrell Mitchell, but I think on a week-to-week basis, he's certainly more consistent than Latrell. I think he'll do his job. It's just a matter of whether he can have as much as an impact uh, in the way he plays, which is different to Latrell. We've seen Latrell's ball playing and contributions in spurts there. I think Johnston will be a lot busier, a lot more on the ball, but he's definitely not going to be as much as a threat, I think, sweeping on the end of those nice shapes that they've been running <clears throat> and as far as his ball playing goes. Yeah. So, uh, real testing, like we said this week. We saw Paramount. Well, they run into each other. Manly. Is it last round? Yeah, and now they've got Melbourne this week. So, we're definitely going to know if Seattle's are trending in the right direction after this week. Yeah. Tackle two, those two other teams we just talked about, the Panthers and the Storm, ever consistent. They just roll on. Uh, Panthers basically unhampered by a few small injuries, but they've got such great depth and they've just rotated through a couple of guys in the outside backs. Uh, when Toto was out, we obviously saw Staines. We've seen Mansour have some games off. Naden, Tyron May play out there. Uh, you know, just their forward depth. And the only real question would be is if, you know, Arpy was to go down realistically. If that was Kenny for the rest of the year, I don't think they're as much as a threat from the middle of the field, but they're still a highly potent side. Mm. Um, but other than that, you know, they've got halves cover in Burton. They've got fullback cover. They've got forward cover. They're stocked. But the question, I guess, now is they've built enough of a gap. They've got a couple of easier games coming up. Surely um, you rest players. Or would you rather play through with this young side? That's a question I'll put to you. I'd rather push through. I look at people like Fisher-Harris who have carried a heavy load. Yo's going to naturally get a break this week after the head knock, but yeah, I don't, I just I don't think, think it's a bad thing. In those situations, you just give the uh, you just give the bench players more time. Yeah, I think a couple of those forwards definitely need some sort of rest. I know Ivan said the other night he's doing it during the week, during training, but I'm more with you. In in terms of game time or games, I think they've earned the right now to not exactly just taper off and completely pull the plug, but at least a week here, somewhere along the line with the run they've got home yeah. and the, the the points they've built up. And I think a game like Brisbane this week, again, uh, as much as you don't like to say anything's a shoe-in, if anything's been a shoe-in in 2020, it's been a win against the Brisbane Broncos. Yep. So I think this is a week I look at it and go, well, if Yo's got the head knock, uh, Fisher-Harris is playing these big minutes, you guys like Billy Burns and that would definitely play in a lot of other sides or get a start, this is the week. 
to probably roll some of those guys out yep. if you're going to give Burton one of those games. And I know it's generally not a good thing to disturb your halves. This is the week to do it. Like, this is the perfect time. Uh, I think they've got the Cowboys as well on the run home. Not sure about the other couple of games, but uh, on the Melbourne side, I guess the resting thing probably hasn't really been uh, a given just because the last few weeks they've had injuries and they had that big glide against Parramatta and on the weekend again. Uh, Nelson now out. Kenny Bromwich is still no guarantee this week. Tom Eisenhuth pulled out. Seve done his ACL. Uh, Brandon Smith, Sully Vonavale not back until final. So I guess they're naturally rotating some players, but for different reasons. They've yeah. got guys that have been injured. Smith and Munster have missed some football. Um, for me there, if I'm Melbourne, I said this earlier, my biggest fear right now is that if Parramatta do get the shaky leg, the Roosters are going to slide up into third. So potentially week one, I don't. if I'm Melbourne, I don't want to play anyone but Parramatta or if the Raiders roll into fourth, I'm happy. But right now, like I said before, my biggest fear was playing Penrith or the Roosters because I really really would love to see any combination of those three in a grand final. But if we had to play the Roosters week one, uh, I guess that puts you in danger of potentially losing and then I guess going to that side of the draw, doesn't it? You'd move on to the Penrith side of the draw. Yeah. <clears throat> well, so. one and two. Melbourne ideally just want to finish two. And it looks like they're going to because Parramatta have slid and the Roosters are still back there as well. So, provided Penrith and Melbourne get through and they win week one, they're going to be on separate sides of the draw. Mm. The only hiccup is going to be if Penrith or Melbourne lose in that first week. And the danger there is whoever runs in the Roosters, if they're fit and healthy, yeah, going to jump the other side. they're going to pop to that other side of the draw. So, I don't, I don't think it's really going to worry Penrith, but I think it'll probably worry, it'll worry Melbourne having to run in the Roosters potentially um, round one. But, you know, now with Parramatta sliding... It looks like the Roos, uh, Penrith might get Parramatta first week, which I'm sure they'll be happy about. Uh, particularly, oh. they're going to play each other not this week, the week after. So they can bump them back down again. Um, and then they can run into them week one. You know, I'd rather, mm. out of anyone in the top four at the moment, you'd rather you play Parramatta. Parramatta. Yeah. So. And that's why I've said two weeks ago, I still want Parramatta. I'd have to come up. There's going to be some incentive in the bubble and travel. For Penrith to really give Parramatta a touch up in two weeks. And for the Roosters, like I said, depending on what's left in their draw and how things pan out, they're two behind. But on four and against, if Parramatta do drop another game and the Roosters keep winning, yeah. I think they've got an advantage now of, say, 30 or 40 points. So. Again, depending on head-to-head results and the way things are working out, they've kind of put their spot in a bit of threat there, Parramatta, definitely for a top-two finish, but to not have to fall... I guess either way, they're probably getting the raw end of the deal. They're either going to travel to Queensland and play Melbourne, yeah. or they're going to come to Penrith, which is probably a better result travel-wise, but they're going to have to beat the Panthers. Uh, I'm sure, as far as logistics are concerned, they'd rather play in Sydney, but if Penrith are running red hot, yeah. it's not going to be a fun time. But if you've got to travel to, say, Suncorp or Sunshine Coast and Melbourne are healthy... It's not ideal for the way they started the season to fall out. But for the Roosters, I, I don't know. I think the Roosters would probably favour maybe trying to get a young side like Penrith Week 1 and back themselves in. But then again, the clashes they've had with Melbourne head-to-head in the finals the last few years, they're the ones who come out on top. Melbourne's generally got the job done in the regular season, but the ones that have mattered in more recent times uh, have been the Roosters in finals games. So yeah. interesting. But I think Penrith more so than the Storm right now, I definitely consider... More just a couple of those middle players. I think Yo and Fisher-Harris in particular have had a heavy toll. Give you Billy Burns and these kind of guys a bit more game time. And if you were considering resting one of those halves at a time when you've obviously already got Harpy having a couple of weeks off, I'd definitely consider right now the time to give Burton a couple of games of football or yeah. at least a game this week. Um, yeah, that's just my thoughts. Tackle three. 
as we continue to talk about those teams in the top eight, the Eels. Got the old shaky leg. Starting mm. to get a bit of the wobbles. We went live, and as we said before, it's a different thing to watch a game on TV, and then it's a different thing to sit there in the grandstand from a bit of an aerial view and look at a team. We weren't exactly convinced when we went and watched Parramatta and the Storm play, and then a week later, uh, I think that was more than confirmed with the fact that they basically ran out their best side and they got absolutely blown off the park by the Parramatta Eels. Um, and the scarier part for me, I honestly do think that Dylan Brown is more important than Mitchell Moses, and a lot of people may disagree with me, but he was still their best player after suffering and Cinder's Moses injury that's now required surgery, mm-hmm. which I think is really disappointing from a Parramatta perspective when you watch that game back to think that a guy that's 19, I think he's only 19 still, not even turned 20, was running around on a busted foot, was the only person who was really making any sort of inroad or looked like he had any intent to try and win that game of football. Mm. Um, it may be, like you said, the training load. Are they going through a heavy phase? Are they in a bit of a slump? Are they you know, feeling the burden and the pressure of everyone's talk and winning games throughout the year and now we're getting to the back end? I don't know, but uh, really, really concerning when you talk week after week after week that we're all about defence, we've been focused on our defence, we're not worried about our attack, we're worrying about our defence. And then you get absolutely sliced up 38 zip. Yeah, they got murdered. It's one thing to look and say, oh, maybe they're going through a training load. But tell me when Melbourne went through those heavy periods in the past or that, they didn't get towed up like that. They generally had some clunky performances and they just lost or they just won. But 38 zip is pretty hard to comprehend when they've been banging on the last few weeks that they've just been all about their defence. No doubt. So, I don't know. I'm not off the bandwagon right now, but I had my doubts. But to me, Dylan Brown not being there out of that half pairing is a huge blow. Massive. I think Mitchell Moses, for as much as everyone talks about origin, this, that and the other, I really still don't put him even close to that category. Mm. I think he's been given way too much praise. He had a really good year last year, yep, but majority of the good things that come out of his game have been his kicking game. I still don't think he runs the football anywhere near enough. I don't think he engages the line. I don't think he's physical enough. And I look at someone like Dylan Brown, who within only two years of playing first grade, just has no regard for his body. If they need someone to take a carry even out of yardage, he gets in at dummy half and he runs the football. He tries to turn the time. I think he proved when Mitchell Moses was out he could run a football side. And while his kicking game is probably not as good, I think his actions, particularly with his ball playing and the way he's running, and it speaks for itself this year, which edge has produced all the points? It's Brown's edge. And you can't really say that Mitchell Moses doesn't have as good a cattle on the right as there is on the left. He does. You yeah. know, you've got Simple Jennings and Siva on the left-hand side, but you've got Madison, Ferguson... Etc. Wanga Blake on the other side of the field. So mm. um, I really think that the Dylan Brown injury is going to be a huge blow, a real big blow. So concerning uh, for Parramatta. And this week against the Warriors, that's no gimme either. Nice. The way they're playing, uh, in particular their spirit and how physical they are and that forward pack, the way they've come together. And the back five, even losing their two international wingers and the lone players that have come in, they're doing a fantastic job. Yeah. So for Parramatta this week, this, this is a real, real... Real big test. The Warriors need to be taken seriously. And Newcastle, I just think they're cooked. To they're be gone. They're, they're just cooked. I think the last start of the year, we were talking about their defensive attitude and how happy he was, and they were so intense, and they were up, and then they've had constant changes in six and nine. I still am disappointed for the fact that you look at guys like Pierce, Ponga, Clement, they've still got a lot of quality in their side, but as the year's gone on, I think they're just wearing down. That resolve's not there. They weren't willing to get into the fight on the weekend. That defensive attitude's definitely uh, started to slip away. And you can see some signs sinking in and some body language from some of those players that uh, it might be slipping away. So they may stay in the top eight unless some, you know, 
horrific losing streak happens and the Warriors can somehow slide in, which is still going to be pretty hard to do. But I look at Newcastle right now, and along with the Sharks, I think they're still making up the numbers. Yeah. And the Sharks are that other one. They, they won on the weekend again. Some good signs in again, and some raps to John Morris just to what he's done with that squad, blooding some of the younger guys, the guys he's been playing, getting your Talakai's, your Rudolphs, your Hunts to play the way they are, getting Nakora and the likes to respond after being dropped, all well and good, but it's a case of same old, same old. They've beat a team that's under them, but we still haven't seen them beat a team in the top eight. Mm-hmm. So this weekend they play Newcastle, they might get their first scalp in the top eight, but again, now I'm questioning that even if they do get it, because it's not peak Newcastle, this is not the side that we would have looked at at the start of the year and go, you know, they're pushing for top four. So, and then Canberra. Um, yeah, fully fit, they could have. Yeah. They just lost too many. And that, you know, that we know that that's the first key ingredient to any successful team is to have everyone fit and available. Mm. You know. And the Raiders, you mentioned before, I just think the Raiders have done a really, really good job. They've got tough during this period. Uh, they've kind of rested for Parley the last couple of weeks in some games and lessened his minutes, but a bit of a hiccup the other night. They've got a bit of a scare and he threw him out there for big minutes again. I think it's just proved how important he is to any chances they have, but he really swung the game for him. Yeah, he's vitally important. But, yeah, without Hodgson, without a couple of those guys, I think they were hopeful Horsberg would be healthy come finals. They're looking now thinking that's not going to be possible. Gula, possibly, round 19, so that would help. CSLO, they're confident as well, so a couple more troops in the forward pack would certainly help, but... Um, yeah, I'm still not sure what to make of Canberra just yet. They've, they've been a bit patchy at times in games, but again, if we're going to get a real gauge of where they're at this week when they play the Roosters. Um, yeah, Whiten and Papali in particular have been really good. Starling's been a revelation. Uh, they've made him a contract offer, but I guess it's going to be a consideration of what else he gets because I'm sure he could go somewhere else and start or get significant minutes, mm. or he's going to have to make the consideration if he wants to maybe wait a year or two depending on Hodgson's situation, and try and take the job there. But, yeah, interesting. He's uh, he's going to wait until the year finishes and sum up all these options. But, again, when I spoke about a team like yours, you could definitely do with a nine. Tommy Starling is a prime guy. Again, I look at and go, you don't have to pay a squillion dollars. I think he's here. just re-signed, hasn't he? Oh, it's been locked up, hasn't I'm it? pretty sure he has, yeah. Well, there you go. They were talking on the weekend that he was going to wait <clears throat> until the end of the end of the season or let all things be considered. So, I would have thought, um, you know... Wouldn't have been a bad idea. It says he remains. I thought I heard on the weekend that he was he was staying. I think the I'm, I'm sure the offer would be competitive, but depending on what's out there, I think if he doesn't want to leave and he's happy where he is and he thinks it's good for his development, great spot. But I guess it's a question of if when Hodgson comes back, how long's his contract for now? You know, yeah. Um, how long's he going to have to wait? Is he going to get any share time? I kind of doubt that. Or is there a club out there like? a la the Titans that you look at if they do have an interest in someone like that and that's a position they definitely need where they can get him for two years and give an opportunity yeah, to Yeah, maybe, maybe I heard wrong. So, I can't find anything here searching Oh, there's it. definitely been a, a, an offer tabled and okay. I think they're considering it, but I think all things given and the way he's playing, they might wait to see what unfolds for the rest of the season. But of what would be out there and clubs that could potentially use an eye on your dogs, your tigers, etc. I still think, again, one of the best options, given what's been going on in recruitment and where they're heading, would be the Gold Coast. Yeah. And he's a guy, again, I look at and think, you don't have to spend a squillion and you don't have to give him a lot of years, but there's probably a mutual benefit there, possibly, for him to get good minutes, you guys to get someone who can definitely help out yeah. um, and all things be fair and equal. So that's probably not a bad option. But, yeah, interesting to see, but we're going to get a real gauge uh, this weekend on them as well. And tackle four, the Warriors, we spoke about. They're the last one 
outside of the eight, given the results of the weekend, that have any chance. The Dragons' chances were dashed. The Tigers' chances were all but certainly dashed. Um, and Manly's were certainly dashed as well. They're, they're all been wiped from the card. The Warriors are relying on results there. For and against is not the greatest. It's minus 101 given the slowest start to the year. And this weekend is very important for them. They need Newcastle basically to roll the Sharks to give them that head-to-head and they have to beat Parramatta. Yeah. But if those things do work out and they're both highly possible, next week is huge. They can bring themselves, even with the Sharks on 18, they're for and against, again, still significantly different, about 150 points separate. But then it would be pressure for the last two rounds on the Sharks, I guess, to not drop their bundle. And looking at the draw quickly, I don't remember what they have in the last two rounds. But, yeah, if things did pan out that way... You've got, what have we got here? The Sharks have to play the Roosters and the Warriors have to play the Raiders. So potentially they could both lose and then still be on 18. And then heading into the last round would be a last chance to get an extra two points and overtake. The Sharks then have to go play the Raiders. So they've got two hard games on the back of that. And the Warriors get Manly, who are certainly in a beatable state at this point in time. So yeah. the state of play coming into the back end of the they year. They might have turbo back by then, pushing yeah. for an origin spot, though. We could have two weeks there. The next two weeks, if it pans out, where they're 18 apiece, and then they both have a top four side yeah. heading into the last round, we could be playing for eighth position. But a lot needs to happen, obviously. But Who do the Sharks... Like, if the Sharks beat Newcastle this week and the Warriors beat by done. power... It's done. Yeah. But so let's just see how it plays out this weekend. It's nice to have something there. Yeah, but again, at. like at the end of this week, we'll be talking about something else. Yeah, so I know. Every round throws something up. And I guess, like I said, a lot, for a lot of people this year, just given the circumstances the Warriors have been through and given up a bit more probably than everyone them, else. I had them as morals for the spoon, mm. especially after everything that happened. They, they've they've done a magnificent job. Players going job. home, coaching, yeah. getting fired, Blake Green leaving. They're playing they... with a, a replacements team, basically. And I, I brought this up the other week, and it's it's been spoken about a little bit more now, but possibly the situation they're in right now is what was best for their group in the past it's been spoken about about training commitment and culture and do they work as hard are they as good as that last week they live in footy every day yeah and each other's company which half the footballers having those relationships and for the guys that didn't have their families or even ones that do have them now your bonds and your relationships and everything you you would be doing in that situation to keep each other up would bring you even closer to what they're doing in a common goal on the field i think todd payton summed it up in those few weeks when he first took over, when things weren't exactly the greatest, but they were close, is, you know, instead of kicking stones, like, we're here. Let's make something of it, regardless. Like, if we're going to give up what we're giving up, we need to make something of this season. Yeah. And right now, there's been some really good green shoots, and I guess the worry would be for next year, if they do go home, can they replicate this again? Or will we see this continued, uh, you know, style of play and toughness and, and, and group culture when Nathan Brown takes over and O'Sullivan and Gould and all the good things that are coming for this club? Um, outside the bubble. And then on the flip side, if they are in the bubble, and it's been talked about again and rumoured that they are stuck in Redcliffe, will there be more people that consider going home because they don't want to be here if they can't have their families? Mm-hmm. Sheck was the biggest one that was brought up and possibly Tohu Harris. So, yeah, there's still a lot of questions for the Warriors moving forward, but it's been a great story. It really has. Absolutely. They've done great yeah. things. Tackle five, that coaching circus, <sighs> it's been... Very, very painful. The biggest one is that the Brisbane Broncos finally sorted out their situation last week, and we're not going to go through the 7,000 articles that have come out this week of people continually laying the boot in and bringing up all different strings and bits and bobs to that story, but uh, it's still a two-horse race. Nothing's been completely decided yet, but it seems a little bit's come out the last few days that 
Paul Green would be the preferred candidate over Kevin Walters. And mm. the question, would he be supported by the old boys who have made all this noise? I'm considering he is an old Brisbane player himself. But given the fact they've kicked up such a stink about the Seabold move and originally and this supposed handshake deal, and Kevy would it was supposed to get the job, if he doesn't get it this time around, will they support Green? Like, at, at the end yeah, of the day. That's, that's what I mean. By, and I said this before they punted Seabold. Like, you, you're moving the person, you're not moving the problem, unless you just go and hire Walters. Go and hire Walters. See how that works out for you. Because that's what you wanted to do. That's what everyone wanted to do. And then now when it really comes to crunch time, you don't have the confidence to do it. That's where, that's what this comes down to. When they pulled the trigger. And and the other side of it is the Broncos don't want to feel as though they're giving away power to to that external source. It's sort of like, well, hang on a minute. We're in control here. Well, you're not. Because you, four weeks ago, you came out and said, we're going to support Anthony Seabold. And, you know, we've got a history of sticking to the process and going through, you know, tough times. And then a month later, he's gone. Yeah, you, you spin the so PR campaign. The, the, message, the message coming out of the club is totally inconsistent. The decision makers have got no clue what they're doing. They've lost all traction and all direction. There isn't a direction there. Uh, whether they hire Kevin Walters or they hire Paul Green, they need to get their ducks in a row. Paul White should be gone. See you later. I said that two weeks ago. Yeah, they should have someone in right now. Uh, if Carl Morris or, or whoever on the board... Uh, wants to take some accountability for the Seabold decision and, and the situation that they're currently in, do it and get out of the way, get the right people with, in, uh, within that club and start to get some alignment in your organisation. And they're just wasting time. They're spinning wheels. There's still inconsistent messages coming out. Uh, and, you know, to, for people to say, oh, there's nothing to gain out of getting your coach into coach now, I think there's everything to gain because you're just, you're just spinning your wheels with Peter Gentle. You're just pissing in the wind. Is he even going to be an assistant to, to next say, year? Well, that's the thing. Like, to just get get whoever you coach. Like Green and Walters aren't coaching now. No. Get them in. So we don't care how they go this year. We're riding this no. year off on Seabolt. That's fine. But at but least they can the get in there and start right doing some things right now. No. You need to see these players in action. You need to see these guys train. You want to see them playing, and you want to lay the law down instantly that shit's going to change. It shows exactly where they're at as an organisation. Yeah, and we've said it again. There needs to be a complete overhaul, but. Uh, the only thing we do know is Paul White's obviously stepping down at the end of the year. Kyle Morris doesn't seem to want to budge from that position, and a lot of the guys on the board uh, seem to be trying to hold their ground. And I guess, again, we see where their heads are at. A couple of days ago, or a few weeks ago, Tabita Pengai Jr. was gone, and now the board was split on that, and now he's staying. Yeah. So they've come out with heavy sanctions for him. He's been told that next year he needs to turn up in exceptional shape. He's got a mentor that he has to report to and deal with for 12 months, and he's got to have to do a job outside of football. They've docked him his last two months' pay, so with COVID and everything on top of that, he's probably essentially lost half his season's money here, but even that again, like get on the same page. Mm. One minute he's fired, one minute he's not. Darren Lockie is supporting him. Is it purely because they think, again, he's a talent, we don't want to let him go to market? Well, if he's a talent, he hasn't showed it to you in great doses so far. No. But if he's bad for the culture of your side not a great person and not contributing to the group, you just need to fuck him off. Correct. But the fact that they can't even make a decision on that as a board says enough mm-hmm. that they're split and have an argue about situations like that. But at the end of the day, whether people like it or not, they either, they either want Walters or they think Green's a better candidate. If they think Green's a better candidate, you're high Green. Yeah. But a decision needs to be made. And for most people, again, the messaging and everything seemed pretty clear that it was almost a shoe-in that Kevin was going to get the job. But I'd be a bit worried if I was a Broncos fan here that if they do go with Green and things don't turn around... Uh, but if noise starts getting made again, they're just going to go through the same cycle for the next 12 months. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I don't know. I just think whatever they're doing, they should do it now. Make a decision. Go through your process and get that. Get the coach in now. Yeah. Get him in front of the team now. Start to rectify some issues. Hopefully, they could finish the season with at least some um, enthusiasm and some positivity heading into the preseason. Because at the moment, they just know they they're gone. They know that this coach isn't going to be their coach next year. They're not sure whether anyone in the hierarchy is going to be there next year. It's just a, it's a total waste of, you know, the next, well, what, do you, what would you say, the next six weeks? Well, even like the CEO situation, what, what's, you know, Iken was in looking good, Iken was not looking good. You know, then the last few days, same deal with football management. They're on the poach again where first it was we're going to get, get Peter Parr. Bellamy to coach and then that got shot down. I'm like, well, what are you doing? Like, you're shaking trees and you're throwing bits and pieces out there. Haven't you actually yeah. put your foot down and go do something? And then, yeah, Peter Parr's throwing up. Frank Panisi, again, I think they're all pipe dreams. They need to be realistic. They need to sort through some candidates and they need to start making Is the whole Craig things. Bellamy thing just a dick show? Like, every club says... Well, we're going to go after Bellamy. That's nah, a media train. We all know what it is. The media throws up someone like that or Wayne Bennett. Wayne Bennett's been linked to every job this season that could possibly throw him out. He was going to the Warriors. He was going to the Cowboys. He was going to the Bulldogs. Some of the, some of the stories that come out are he's just still to, He's still linked to the fucking Dragons for cross sake. Yeah. And then last week he was going to coach Queensland again. Like, of all the things that are realistic, that one may happen yeah. if someone does pull out. But, like, the media train, as soon as someone gets fired straight away, is you've got to target a Trent Robinson or a Craig Bellamy. And it's like, what makes you think that any of these clubs in the toilet bowl right now would be picked up by somebody in one of those situations where they've built, got established stability, great culture, good club environments, great people around them. Why would you uproot yourself and go elsewhere? Yeah. And the one word that always gets thrown around, oh, the challenge, oh, the challenge. It's like, well, there's challenge and then there's just a bridge too far yeah. or heading into a situation where you know that all those things that need to be in order for you to be successful just aren't there. So why would you go put yourself in that situation? It's just stupid every time that they bring up the same couple of names. Like, they're going to suddenly uproot themselves from the situations they've built. Yeah. So, uh, that's one. They're going to have to make a decision soon. But, yeah, the the wording was starting to go now. That Again, when it seemed like it was going to be Kevy, it's now potentially going to be Paul Green. So, we'll wait and see. Todd Payton, uh, it hasn't been all confirmed yet, but it seems all but locked up that after the interviews, the results, what he's done this year, that he's going to get three years at the Cowboys and head there next year. So... He's already got some roots at the club and he's already had a little bit to do with it. He'd understand it. He'd understand their junior development, their pathways, the community. Not only is all that a positive that he's already got some grasp of how the club works and the whole environment, the culture, but he's been so successful in the situation he's in right now. He seems a bit more level-headed being an ex-player. I'm not saying that Paul Graham wasn't, but he obviously had a bit of a shorter temper. But looking at Peyton, I think his temperament is definitely a bit different and maybe... Yeah. He's a bit more even keel. Well, he knows what works there as well. Yeah. Like he's been there before. He seems a bit more yin and yang. And the big thing is, I think they've talked about from Neil Henry to Paul Green, they were both fairly uh, high strung and very micromanaged and very aggressive. Uh, maybe a bit more of an even keel person who's a bit more balanced with the players. Yeah, but he strikes me as someone who doesn't take any shit. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But yeah, I think for them. They've gone through a process. Yeah. So. In the end, like if they come out and they say Peyton's our man, then good on. Them. And I think the other thing again, what has been? How long has it been? Six weeks? Yeah. Something like, and what he's been doing weeks? at the Warriors certainly hasn't hindered his case. So they already had him. And they've gone about it fairly quietly, which I think is to their credit. Well, we knew from the start that he was the strong favourite before all these results, and they had good intentions and good thoughts around him. But I think what's been happening at New Zealand has all but confirmed them their thought process. Yeah. So. If Sean Wayne Cartwright or anyone was seriously considered, I think in particular what's been transpiring and what he's done with that group of players has done him absolutely massive favours. 
the big question for them, I guess, when he comes in there again next year, everyone keeps saying it, that they should be bottom of the eight, they should be bottom of the eight, well, should they? Mm. Um, are some of these guys a bit overrated? Are there some soft undertones to some of these players? Has there been a little bit too much credit given to some guys? Like, you know, we keep talking about McLean, we keep talking about Michael Morgan, etc. The Morgan one, I will give some justification to because, let's be honest, since he signed that contract, he's never been healthy. That's like, right. I know, it's yeah. one thing everyone keeps going, oh, he's playing terribly, he hasn't lived up to the contract. He's barely been on the field. So it's, it's the nightmare situation. When someone does show what he showed in that grand final run and you invest long-term when Jonathan Thurston's heading out the door and you think, like, yes, we've, we've nailed it. We've got a replacement straight away. And then he's gone from an off-season, the first one out of that where he needed surgery. He had a delayed start of the season. Then his season was basically finished. Since then, he's had his shoulder again. He's had issues with his legs. Like he's just It seems like it's been three years now where I don't think he's even played a half a season. And if he has been playing, he's been playing with an issue that needs to be surgically repaired or he hasn't been able to play within himself. Yeah. All the good that we saw in Michael Morgan has just been completely stripped away from his health, which is the nightmare situation when you invest a million dollars. On the flip side, Tom Alola, like we've said... Uh, He's definitely justified his contract, but it hasn't converted to wins because he's a middle forward. They can lay a lot of ground for you, but at the end of the day, that other key position in the halves uh, is probably the more important one when you've got a good foundation that you get your return on investment on. Uh, he's more than certainly done his job, but yeah, it hasn't equated to wins. Maguire, I think he's justified his situation. McLean, same deal. He certainly hasn't, but how often's a black stand the field? Uh, he hasn't played a full season, so yeah. I guess for them, there's more decisions coming at that top end that do they persist with guys like that over the next few years or is there a tough decision that needs to be made around even Morgan if he's off contract in, I think, maybe 12 months? I think it, it was a four-year deal. Like but the, it, the beauty of it is Peyton's now going to get a little bit of time to restructure 100%. it. So with Hamiso, Robson, a couple of these younger guys they've got there now, he's got a nice little base there. They've had real great success in particular on their pathway systems the last few years in schoolboy football. Is it Kerwin? Is the school up there that's been killing it the last few years? They've been producing a hell of a lot of players. So... Um, from a pathways perspective, I'm sure he'll go right back to that. Clifford, you still can't give up on yet. Like, you don't win 20s player of the year for no reason. Can he get the best out of him? Is Drinkwater the one? Is Dejan Arce, who showed good signs in his first game, the one? Like, there's some really good young green shoots there. I think the bigger decision is getting rid of, as we've said a million times before, Granville's got 12 months to go. I think that's well and truly done. I wouldn't be letting Cotter go. I'd stick with Cotter and Robson. Cotter's another one of those guys I think a few clubs would look at. Um, you know, Tommy Gilbert's only 19 playing first grade, Emre Perre, Murray Tuolagi, these, all these guys they've pushed through. Uh, there's two Marky Simpkins, or a kid they signed in the off-season who's a monstrous 19-year-old. If you've got this good young core group, blood them, play them, move on Gavin Cooper, move on Jake Granville, move on Justin O'Neill, just spend the next 12 months sorting through those guys, have that good top end. And, you know, if Hess doesn't work out and doesn't get back to where he needs to be, if Morgan can't stay healthy, they're going to have to make some tough decisions in the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah. But I think given what we've seen right now and, like you said, the process they've gone through and their thoughts leading into it, it seems a good height. Um, I agree, yeah. The Dragons, still nothing really on that front. Last week it was Griffin to lock. Yesterday they're saying now Dean Young is looking more likely and Craig Fitzgibbon is officially no longer in the running for the job, which was basically confirmed a month ago. But it's been on, it's been off, it's been on, it's been off. He's now out. Where does Fleming go? We don't know. People are throwing him up that Brisbane should keep Peter Gentle for 12 months and then get Flanagan up there. Like, I don't think Brisbane can wait 12 months with the situation they're in. Mm. That's just going to cause them more heartache. But for the Dragons, it's looking more like Young 
is he ready to take that job? I don't know. But I say the same thing like we said for Kevin Walters. If he gets the job up there in North Queensland, if he gets that job, he needs good assistance. Yep. So if Flanagan and Shepard uh, got the right intentions and happy to stay around, all good. But if not, I don't know what they do. Do they try and get Hornby back from South where he's locked in with Wayne Bennett? I'm sure he'd rather probably stay over there with Demetrio and Bennett and uh, stay in that situation. Is there anyone else out there you can think of? Could he, Could you jag a Neil Henry? Or if Griffin doesn't get the top job, would he consider an assistance job? I, I doubt it. But I think if Young's going to get that job, he needs good assistance. He needs help. Agree. Yeah, I totally agree. He does. He, you know, he can talk as much about consistency and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Like in the end, he's got similar results in the the last two or three weeks to what McGregor got yeah. prior. Well, they barely, so if you think it's the coach, yeah. like again, again, the media just beats the shit out of coaches. It's what like, about the players? What about the playing group? What yeah. about the attitude? Like at the end of the day, coaches lose their jobs a lot of time because of players. Yeah. Sometimes the coaches are to blame and they do wear thin, but in a lot of situations... In Dean Young's case, he might not even get a crack at the job because of the players. You never know. But the last one, uh, and some good news from up your way, Justin Holbrook. Extended. A lot of people blowing up or questioning why would you give four years, but I think you need to look at the devil in the detail. It wasn't a four-year deal. He has another year to run, and they've extended on top of that. So For another two or three? I think it was two on top. Yeah. Well, it's 2024, so technically if next year it would be a three-year extension. But at the same yeah. time, you know, if clubs are sniffing around, you've got to do what you've got to do. You just more hope, again, behind the scenes that you safeguard yourself. Yeah. That if you are terminating him, that there's an agreed payout amount, or if something does go wrong, like, God forbid, you're not planning on that to happen. But you just like to think the clubs would be a bit smarter from now on in long-term deals where it's beneficial for the coach. And it's beneficial for the club. Yeah, but the, we've got recency bias in that we just keep looking at the Anthony Seabold deal and go, well, now everything is compared, every deal is now compared to that deal, which is stupid. Just judge every deal on its merits. Holbrook's done a great job there and he deserves an extension. Simple as that. You know, giving someone a five-year deal who has never coached a, a game at your club, yeah, luck isn't, isn't smart business. I think everyone agree with that. So, Fair enough. Play on. Uh, and yeah, that's about it. As far as on the Bulldogs front, uh, assistance, plenty of people have been linked there with Barrett as long as a million different players, but that's another one that's yet to have any ground. Uh, set to be considering David Ferner if he's willing to leave Newcastle if he didn't get a Cowboys job. If I'm Ferner, I'm happy where I am. So I, I guess unless he's trying to move back to Sydney, but he's from Canberra from my knowledge. Or when I was down there, he was living down in Canberra. But Bulldogs on Newcastle, I think he's probably in a better spot where he is already. Yeah. Um, Cartwright naturally linked because he spent some time there with Trent Barrett and his time at Manly and now Dylan Walker, another one of the ex-players that was there with him. He's been linked to the club with Kieran Foran potentially going back there. So uh, there's plenty of moves to be made on that side for the Bulldogs and their coaching staff, but nothing really solid locked in just yet for Trent Barrett and who's going to be on board there. And... Tackle six to finish off. There's rule changes that we basically had since the restart, and the big one obviously being the set restart. A bit more numbers given by the NRL this week just as to the effect it's had on the game at this same point compared to last year and the year before where you have 70 extra tries at this point in the year. So it's definitely brought back the fatigue, opened things up a bit more. Line breaks as compared to the years prior, 60 more at this point as well. So you go that over what? 16 games, extra couple a game, which is a good thing. So, again, bringing that fatigue back into the game and the penalties with the set restarts has taken away close to 900 stoppages during the season at this point in time because of stop-start 
penalties, and the penalty count from two years ago was 2,200 down to 1,650, 1,300 this year with the fact that ruck infringements and those things where they can just play on are no longer a stoppage. So definitely keeping the ball in play, definitely bring it back fatigue. Mm-hmm. And I've said it 100 times, there is no need to reduce the interchange. No, there's not. There's still people talking about it. Shut the book on that. It's gone. If you go too far the other way, you especially, are... Well, especially at the moment. Yeah, after this. We, we need to see next year. And even next year is probably not going to be a real example because it's going to be a different off-season because we're probably going to have a shorter turnaround rolling into the year. Well, no, I don't think we will. But, I, you know... Well, we don't know what next year looks like. We don't. And it could change again, depending on what and we need to give so. them more time to adapt to yeah. these changes. And like I said from the start, you go too far one way, you are affecting everything. You're affecting pathways, junior development. Like, there's going to be a, a flow-on effect in all areas. No, I'm talking more about the injuries that we're seeing. That too. But you'll affect the way... Yeah, like, you've, you've made these significant changes to the rules and haven't really given the players time to adapt to them. No. So I think a lot of positives coming out of, like you said, uh, those changes and keeping the game moving and bringing back some fatigue in the football has been pretty good. A lot of people are saying it's brought more blood. That's what I mean. Get better. It's just exposed teams, I guess, again, that are not up to scratch or not fit enough or don't have the right attitude and intent. So I have no problem with it. If if you're not good enough, I don't care if you get beat by 60, get better. Do a better job. Yep. There you go. Power rankings this week brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre, and we're heading to that time of year. What about the riff? As soon as spring started, we got a 30-degree day coming up this week. Mm. Absolutely insanity how quickly that has happened. But uh, if you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season, it's getting slapped with a rising power bill that will put you on edge more than an origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's leading solar specialists who are helping local families take control over their bills, let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Contact Penrith Solar today on 1800 20 29 30 to discuss how you can become the real winner this season or visit the website www.penrithsolar.com.au. Uh, there's been a few listeners, again, get on board this year. And as we've said before, if you're not within uh, the Sydney region or greater Western Sydney region, Blue Mountains area, they've made references to plenty of people from the Sunshine Coast to Brisbane to Melbourne. They will put you onto someone or recommend someone who is uh, qualified and up to scratch if you're looking for solar. Yep. But number one, Brock, the Penrith Panthers. Panthers, straight easy. forward. Melbourne Storm for me. Storm is two. Yep. Uh, the Roosters. Roosters, three. In third and on the improve. Yep. Now, who's your four? Raiders. Same. I've slipped them up considering they've just kept winning and ticking over. If they played Parramatta the way Parramatta played the other night, I still think uh, it's a closer game. But I think if they played like they had the last two weeks, the Raiders win. Five. Rabbitohs. Also, see us bumping straight up in there. Great form the last two weeks. Real test coming up this weekend, but there's been some really good signs, and I'm assuming six is the Eels. Six is the Eels. They've slid. Dylan I'm Brown. not going to bump them up until nah. they're up. Dylan Brown is, is a there? huge blow. I know a lot of people said, well, Field played well with him at the start of the year, I think, again. And he did. He did. But Him and Moses are a I'd different rather, combination. I'd rather Brown than Field. Yeah, and I'd rather Brown with Field, to be honest, in my opinion, than Moses with Field. Mm. Uh, that's just it, my opinion. But seven. Sharks. Well, I've left Newcastle there. They play this week, but it doesn't really matter. Seven mm. and eight. I don't think either of them are really going to be competing for the finals and the only team well, on I've the... got the Warriors at eight. I've dropped Newcastle out. Well, all right. So you think they're a chance of finding their way in? No, I just think right now, Warriors are better. That's power rankings right now. So oh, well, if you're to me, that. I think Newcastle, I think the Sharks will beat Newcastle this week. The Warriors pumped them on the weekend. So I, I believe at the moment the Warriors are playing good enough to... They're in the top eight sides in the comp. They competed with Penrith. Well, if they didn't have... Uh, they competed with the Roosters. They didn't have a patchy start to the year and the whole COVID drama and jagged an extra win or two. 
they'd be in right now, wouldn't they? They would be. And that's the point. Like power rankings isn't just reciting your own top eight. No. So I've got them in there. I've got them over the, the Knights. They just beat the Newcastle by 30. So I'll put them in. Yep, fair enough. And there you go. Penrith Solar, get on board. 1800 20 20 or the website au. It is that time of the year. It's great for your bills. It's great for your back pocket. It's been a huge benefit to us the last couple of years. Solar and uh, working in that sort of industry, I think it's one of the best things you can invest in for your house. You've got a new house. Probably how many years have you been there now? Six, seven? In our place, it's it'll one, be six in October. One of the first investments you made, same as uh, our brother and sisters as well, a couple of my mates. It's just one of those things, I guess. There's the two things I think I wouldn't be able to live without, ducted air conditioning, which is absolutely outstanding considering we get absolutely fried out here. But one great way to offset that is solar, mm-hmm. and especially during daylight savings. It's literally cut our bills in half, so great times. Reviews of the games from the weekend, South versus Parramatta, 38 zip, just blowing off the park, absolutely torn to shreds. I think the scarier part for me, I thought they did a great job at the middle and they did roll. I didn't think they absolutely tore them apart in the middle, but the scarier part was just their decisions on the edges. Mm-hmm. Um, the shape from South Sydney, no doubt, was absolutely outstanding. They played really square. They were getting great width from dummy half and pulling the edges apart straight away to put pressure on their outsides, but the defensive decisions on both edges of the field were horrible. Um, not as bad probably on the left-hand side, but Jennings... Definitely gets left in the lurch a lot by Sevo. Doesn't help him out in that situation. And there's been a bit of disconnect from that edge. But the right-hand side of the field, Wunga Blake, Mitchell Moses, etc., they got absolutely shredded. Murdered. I, uh, yeah, I was a bit baffled at times about how bad. Like, again, full credit to South Sydney. You could not run those shapes any better. And start of the year, very, very clunky. Wasn't great service. Nothing was very, very slick. But right now, they're red hot. Um, you will not find better execution. You will not find better shape. Depth, engaging the line, making defenders make decisions, and Parramatta made very poor decisions. They got destroyed all night, both sides of the field. The middles, like you said, Paulo, not as impactful. Campbell Gillard, not as impactful. Is it the heavy training load? Has it been a burden of the year? I don't know, but that's the area I questions of South, and in particular now that they've found a good bench rotation, Colin Matungi in particular, he's been absolutely outstanding. Nichols is playing above his weight. Mago plays less minutes, but um, those guys making a better contribution, along with Tatola, and I think Tom has lessened the burden on a Murray who was just getting bashed at the start of the year. To me now, he's starting to play better football as well. He's pushing through the middle. He's getting to edges. He's starting to find more play the balls. But the real barometer for that team, it's not Reynolds just playing his good football and kicking. It's not Cook starting to play a bit better. And it wasn't Latrell finding his best form. It's Cody Walker. Cody Walker is the best player in the south side. No one... I think is a better natural ball player in the competition or a natural ball runner from the hardest position. And when he's fired up and on song like he was in particular last year when he found his origin jersey or the year before uh, when they had that really, really good run, when Cody Walker plays his best football, South Sydney are the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. So if he's on song and this continues coming to this week against Melbourne and their forward pack and compete, uh, I think they'll really pressure Melbourne's edges. And in particular, more injuries again on the weekend. Their left-hand side of Melbourne, which South's right, uh, is pretty settled, but the opposite side of the field, I don't know who's going to be playing there. They've had Branko, Nico Hines, Lumi Lumi played on the weekend, Seve. They've just been an absolute convey belt of people coming in and out of that edge. So if there's instability this week on that right-hand side of the field, uh, there's no doubt they're going to throw some shape and question both sides. But, yeah, in particular, that left edge, if they can get over there, uh, no doubt you'll see them trying to run plenty of traffic 
yeah. at a broken up edge. But yeah, I, I can't say enough for a team that I just thought wouldn't have the firepower. I thought one to seven they had all the Ferraris, but I wasn't sure that they'd be able to get enough out of their forward pack. But that rotation and the improvement in the bench has seen them start to open up a bit more and they're getting the best out of their spine at, at the right time of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like they just they played all over Parramatta in this game. Mm. The the score line probably flooded Parramatta. To be fair, like the amount yeah. of times that that South went left and Parramatta's right edge just got cut to shreds. There was only some scramble uh, from Parramatta that really saved this blowing out. And Dylan and they Brown just, again. They just, they just look flat. Parramatta looks so flat. Yeah, I think we talked about that week before. They they are they were flat the week before. We we gave them a bit of a slap around last week yeah. and. I know it probably raised some eyebrows. I wasn't expecting people, him to cop but... this, this bad. I tipped South, but I was not expecting him to get dusted 38 zip. No. The other thing that's concerning for me, they didn't want to get in the wrestle. They did not want to get dirty with them. They just try to shift their way out of trouble all the time. They forced the ball. They made errors coming out of yardage. Like Parramatta at the start of the year were winning those games they wouldn't have won previously and actually fighting over a bone. On the weekend, as soon as things got hard, instantly they played touch football. The ball was flying around. They're dropping it in yardage. Sivo... Wanga Blake definitely need to uh, work on their defense this week because he left Jennings posted up a few times. To eat. We've said it before: you get the man or you get the ball. The amount of time he comes up with just thin air yeah. and runs into absolute no man's land into space. I think he took a bit of that criticism on from the last few weeks. It looked like he had a bit of a cracking yardage, but he didn't enjoy it. I could see him a few times when he was getting up quite frustrated. But um, yeah, Wanga Blake started the year quite well, but his form hasn't been that great. But yeah, I was more concerned with the fact that as soon as things got tough, they were just looking for a knockout blow. Mm. You, you don't shift your way out of trouble. You don't just start throwing the ball around when things look dire. You get dirty, you kick early in yardage, you turn the other side around and try and build some pressure, and they just refuse to do that, which is a bit of a concern. Yeah. And Brown now being out is an even bigger blow. Titans, Dragons, 14-10. I think this can be summed up in the fact that if you're the Dragons, you almost had 50 tackles inside the 20, and you didn't come up with any more points than what they did. Um, you're going to struggle to win a game of football. And the way it unfolded was crazy, considering it was pretty low scoring, high completion. Didn't think it was the most exciting game in the world, but get a deflection off the posts and Peach scores, and then a great piece of football down at left-hand side with Brimson, Fogarty combining again. Uh, they steal a win late, and to me, a deserved win. because Yeah, the Dragons, like they could have put them away multiple times. They were on top for probably 70 minutes. Like they, they deserve what they got, the Dragons. They... Yeah, the Titans just came to get them late. The Titans hung around. The Titans' goal line defence is almost as good as any in the game at the moment. They are defending their goal line so well, uh, and they, they've just got a nice system there that they're working to. They're square. They get off. They, they look fit. They they're cut fast. down time and space. Um, they, they, they're one-on-one tackles. Um, they're making them, which has just been something that has haunted us in the past. Even what you've just said about and we talk about with Brisbane, those two differences. Brisbane so often one-two step, stand flat on the line. They're all disconnected. They ball watch. The Titans, yeah. outsides are up hard. The middle gets built up. They take away the opportunity to get to the edges. They make you play back on the inside. And worst case, if they do come up and they do miss a one-on-one, they put grass behind them, which is something that we teach a lot of the time. You can miss the first tackle if you make the effort on your you line. miss it up high. Yeah, there's nowhere to go, though, so you've got to get off. But if you miss initially and you've put grass behind you, your mate's going to be able to come help you. Their attitude and scramble and their effort just in all those areas you've talked about inside 20 is polar opposites to what we've seen in the past where they just concede any time they had a set down there or a repeat set came against them. Yeah. And that's the biggest sign of a side heading in the right direction. Fogarty, Brimson, oh, there's been a lot of good signs in the attack and it's probably going to get better. But the bigger thing that you're looking at is their defense. 
their defense has been outstanding. No doubt. And on the Dragon side, like I said again, you're looking going Ben Hunt, Corey Norman, Dufty. I know McInnes is playing more that lock role, but if you've got two origin halves and a guy at fullback who's been outstanding, I'll give him. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Credit probably wasn't his best night, but he's been there probably close to their best along with Lomax the last eight or so weeks. You just expect more of Norman and Hunt. If you said that those two were going to get 40-plus tackles inside 20 up against a side that's missing Arrow, Proctor, etc., uh, and you've had guys playing well above their weight, and no Mo Fodawaka has been probably most consistent middle, I expect better inside that sort of zone yeah, with yeah. that much football. But yep. in the end, you, they got what they deserved. They did. That's um, exactly what they got. And I know they complained at the end from Brazil about, you know, that the stoppages or the clock or how's that work. Well, it's like, well, how much more ball do you need? How much more territory and possession do you need? Like, you should be more well, filthy. What, what, yeah, I, you know, they weren't complaining about that at any other minute of the game. No. Nah. But they want to bitch and Just moan about it when they fall behind. But, so. yeah, I felt like the whole game was spent watching them attack the Titans line. But yeah, um, at the end of the day, they were rewarded for their great work down there, whether it was a bit of luck off the post. But the other try was absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, Fogarty again continues to be an absolute revelation from a guy pushed away by the club going to Parramatta coming back playing a couple of years winning I think Q Cup player of the year a couple of times in a few grand finals with Burley to now being back at his junior club where he played under 20s and Australian schoolboys to now being the club captain within six months just speaks volumes of the character um, and I've got two mates that I played with at Canberra who both played with him up at Burley who can't speak highly enough about Jamal Fogarty they absolutely love him yeah. so Good signs for the Gold Coast Titans again. Roosters, 58-12 against the Broncos. Absolute training run. Best way to describe it. And I guess the best thing, again, we talk about timing, getting players back. If you're the Roosters, this couldn't be a better week to get all your players back in. They got Cordner eased back in. They got Tupo eased back in. The Morrises, who have kind of been in and out in particular, Brody's got a chronic knee problem. It's another good week to build some confidence in Flanagan. Hutchinson... Uh, when Friend gets that head knock, he couldn't have a better team to put Lussick out for bulk minutes. Satili, outstanding. JWH just <laughs> absolutely frustrates and brings all the heat on himself, which just opened things up. Their middle passing and skill and the way they move Brisbane around and then the way they just pulled them apart on the edges. It was child's play. Mm. It really was. But as far as more introducing players back into your side, you couldn't have had a better opposition for this week for it to happen. And uh, James Tedesco, like I said, playing more up in line without Kiri trying to help those two guys out. His development as a ball player and the amount of touches he's getting up in the front line, uh, he was epic in this game. But, again, best way to describe it is training run. Yeah. Brisbane, I don't even want to talk about. Like I said, their season's right off. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot of positives to take out. There's the same things you say every week, that Staggs is powerful and a dynamic runner and Fafita obviously gets a token try here or there. But, yeah, other than that, I guess the only other real thing I keep looking at every week is how tough Tom Dearden is. I really, really respect that bloke. He is a hell, he's a hell of a player. Um, and I, hell of a player. Again, bringing up a bit of my bias that when they said that other clubs were looking when he wasn't getting game time, Melbourne was one of them, I would be Dude. absolutely stoked if Tom Dearden was somehow at Melbourne with Cameron Munster 
potentially Harry Grant, Smith, Pap, whoever ends up being there. But if he was partnered with somebody like Cameron Munster, I'd be very happy. But for Brisbane, I think you've got your answer there. Forget the Croft thing and what you've gone through there. I think it's it's answered itself. Croft is not your halfback. Yeah, he's not. Your halfback. No way in the it's world. pretty straightforward that you've got your halfback there. That's probably the one thing that week to week I can just look at and go, there's no question that that kid's your seven. Absolutely. Uh, not much else needs to be said about this one. Like, oh, Dog shit. Only other thing that was mentioned again during the week, which I just think is never going to happen, was Wayne Bennett potentially going back there, which, again, just another media thing where he's linked. Um, there would need to be exactly what we spoke about before, a complete house clean with all the bridges that were burned there for him to possibly go back. And then at the same time, him and Kevy's relationship, because he got rid of him the first time, I think, after 2015, and then they had a short stint and Kevy left again. I don't know what that's like, but surely I, I don't know if, if Kev did get the job, if you'd really like Wayne to be at the top of him or whether that could be mended. No. But when that came up again, I was like, seriously, how many jobs can Wayne better be linked to? Yeah. He needs to multiply. Spot on. Spot on. So but either he does it very well himself to lick this stuff out, or I don't, I don't know what, but it just seems everywhere he's linked to a new job. So yeah. uh, Warriors, Newcastle, 36 to 6. It was a tight first half, but they just smoked them physically. They challenged them up the middle, um, and I just thought they gave it to Newcastle. Newcastle wilted under the pressure. The possession blew out. The meter, like everything was just that lopsided. It was 2,000 metres to 1,200, nine line breaks to throw. The offloads, the second phase, just absolutely melted Newcastle 18 to 3. And the other thing as well, when you look at the way they started their year build on the defensive effort and the contact and their effort, the scramble inside 20 and all those things we talk about for the Titans and what we saw in like, so that Penrith game where they had that draw, 14 all, they've lost three players and basically had no bench. Not only do they have 30 actual misses on the weekend, but ineffective tackles where just ones where you lose play of the balls, give away a quick play of the ball, fall out of contact. They had 31 of those as well. Mm. The Warriors have six ineffective tackles. So you make 150 extra tackles, you're not going to win a game. And when you lose the penalty count 8-2, it just speaks to volumes again. But I think the biggest thing is the Warriors just basically said, we're going to beat the shit out of you. We're going to drag you into a dogfight through the middle of the park and you're either going to come with us or you're going to wilt. And I just thought Newcastle showed no fight whatsoever. Mm. They wilted as the 80 minutes progressed and in particular the second half when it blew out the back end. I think that score line and the result they got was more than justified. Yeah. No argument. Absolutely no argument. It was totally justified. Um, and and done, in, like they... done in the best possible way, though. They didn't get impatient with what was working. No. They just beat them down, beat them down, beat them down, and then when the time came, they just tore the arms off them and beat the piss out. They've worked out a really nice style, the Warriors. They have. They get out of yardage well. They don't make exactly. a lot of errors. And then when they're in good ball, they're pretty they patient. Play they play straight. Newcastle are just up and down like a fiddler's watch. Like the, the week uh, prior to that, the win over the Cowboys was so unconvincing, it wasn't funny. And we said that again, gave them a bit of a hammering for that. And they rolled into this game and played similar footy and ran into a side that could put some points on, and that's what happens. Mm. It doesn't matter where you sit on the table. If you're not playing well and your opposition is below you on the ladder but they're playing significantly better, that's exactly what we saw an example of in this game. Mm. And it's as simple as that. The Warriors are playing better footy at the moment. Newcastle have slid. Newcastle um, have just been murdered by injuries. So they can go away and they can talk about tough conversations and accountability and, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. The fact of the matter is they've had way too many injuries in order to be able to sustain a long run throughout a tough competition with no buys um, and in a competition that's very difficult to get players 
pushing up from below in the squads below because they're not playing consistent footy. To for the new for Newcastle with their injury toll to make the finals this year is a is a fantastic achievement. And you know if I'm Adam O'Brien, as hard as that's going to be, like it's you know it's going to be like sucking a lemon. You've just got to take the positives out of it, build, and know that if you have your squad fit and healthy next year, they're they're a top four side. They are a top four side. While they had their best team on the field, they were rolling around around that top four with another preseason. Uh, a couple more additions to their squad, they're going to be a top four side, in my opinion, next year, or at least pushing up in and around that range. You know the one I really want to see, and again, he's two games prior to COVID and the rule changes, was Jaden Braley. I did not expect Jaden Braley to play the way he did those first two games. With the the rule changes and the way he looked those first two games, I would have liked to have seen them post-COVID coming out and how that was going to play out for them. Yeah. yeah, I think, again, Warriors, forward pack as a group, outstanding. Their back five produce in yardage. They produce offloads. They're really, really dangerous on the edges. Sheck's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. The halves have combined really, really well. Tavita Harris has shown that he's more than capable. Nick Aremis playing some of his best football, just simple, straight, and the best part of his game, which is running the ball. Um, and that pack, again, I know I rent and rave every week in particular, but Jazz Tavunga is just outstanding. He is real barometer for that side, um, much like on the flip side, Mitch Barnett, I've said the last few weeks, he got injured on the weekend, and I just think the attitude of their forward pack and the way they've played through the middle has changed since Tohu has been healthy, and then in particular the reintroduction of Jazz Tavunga, who does not care who he plays against, does not care what jersey you're wearing, and does not care who you are as a player. Mm. He's an absolute savage, that bloke. So uh, good signs there for the Warriors. Sharks, Cowboys, uh, again, for the Cowboys, what do you say? 16 errors, flat. Morgan injured again, off the field. Tom, oh, they're not playing in this game. It's just a bit of the same old, same old for the Cowboys. And for Cronulla, I guess the best thing I take out of this is what we've talked about a hundred times. I thought that some of the contracts that Morris was left with uh, were mistakes. And my favourite part is he's not afraid to make people accountable. He made Nakora accountable after being a New Zealand international. And look at the response he got on the weekend. He obviously handled it in the right way. Yeah. Challenged him to come back and do the right thing. And he was close to best on ground. Matt Moylan, it's not good enough because you're on $850,000 that you get a jersey. Sit down. Braden Trindle comes in. Connor Tracy, who's been, you know, great of junior pedigree, had to wait with some injuries and at some clubs to get an opportunity. Plays a good game. Braden Trindle was an under-20s player of the year for a reason. And with Johnson being injured, and again, you compare abilities, uh, proved his point. And with a spine that barely had 50 games combined, I think Will Kennedy proves again for a couple hundred thousand dollars that he does as good a job, if not better, than Matt Moylan. So yeah. I, I say again, John Morris and how anyone could have considered that his job was under threat or anything to do with Cronulla and Flanagan being linked back to the club or anyone is just ridiculous. And the direction they're heading, in particular their junior development, what they've done, in another 18 months with him making some more changes to this side and getting more guys in that he's had things to do with doing a real apprenticeship with coaching, I think they're in a really good position. And they've just made two more good re-signings through their junior ranks. Uh, and pathways with another big front row and another outside back. We've seen Katoa, we've seen Nakora, we've seen Williams, we've seen Trindle, you've got Tracy, Rudolph, Talakai, Hunt, lesser known names that he's brought back in. Like, What else more do you want from a guy who took over a couple of weeks before a season started off with salary cap burdens, injuries, and contracts that aren't his? Yeah. Dugan's playing his best football, so you've got to accredit some of that to him as well. Um, but yeah, within a year or so time, 
if the Johnson deal is done, if they moved on for Moylan and Fafita was gone, there's going to be significant money there along with more juniors coming through and an opportunity to go out to the market and add a couple of players. I think John Morris has done a hell of a job. I know, again, they're not knocking off top eight sides just yet, but they're winning the ones they should win. They're progressing nicely and they're making good changes to their roster and in a decent position salary cap-wise, I guess, to keep progressing forward and uh, making sure they've got a decent 30. Mm. So... But in this one for the Cowboys, yeah. I think their season's just been summed up with somebody like Morgan going down after 14 minutes and their performance in general. I, I don't even really know what else to say. But no. Yeah, It was just a, a tough game to watch. Yeah, it was. Um, but Cronulla, again, they beat a team below them. That's why they're in the eight. Yep. Cowboys, how many losses in a row is that now? Nine, something like that, eight or nine. Yeah. Not been so a great season. It hasn't been a great year. And, you know, again, Green walking out and another coach coming in hasn't really changed their fortune. Player performance has got to go at the top of the list. And the fact of the matter is you, your two best players or your two key players in fullback and 5'8 haven't played well and haven't been on the field in mm-hmm. Holmes and Morgan. Tal Malolo's now out. He's, he's done his job. But you've got a few others there like your McLean and... Um, these other players that are on good wedge that just haven't really aimed up, and that's why you end up where you are on the ladder. Mm. And the other thing is... Had issues at nine. One thing with never having Morgan there is the other thing, but they've never settled on another halves partner. No. Like we've seen a couple of games of Arcee's look good. They've played Drinkwater one and Clifford. six. They're worried about his defence. They've had Clifford in, and they don't mind his game management, but they think he's too inconsistent. At some point, they need to settle. Bite the bullet, Again, yeah. whether who's partnering Morgan, or is Morgan too injury-prone, and we're going to try and move on from that and maybe get a fresh start. Mm. But, again, that's a job for Todd Payton next year. The hooker situation when Robson's healthy, I think, is pretty much sorted. Cotter, I still really like as part of that rotation, but they've got Granville for 12 more months. But And then, yeah, Holmes. Like, you have Hamiso come in as an 18-year-old and show some really good signs, and they weren't competing with anyone to sign Valentine Holmes, but they gave him the absolute bank after walking away for 18 months. And, again, you can't expect somebody to come straight back in that vein of form. I, I guarantee they're hoping he has a big off-season and he's ready to go much better next year, but you're really, really worried when you make an investment in someone who, again, you weren't competing for and you're wondering the motivation when it's just coming home, being back with family, friends, his partner lives up there, like, is he in a comfortable situation? Knowing that they basically have that locked in or is he mailing it in or is he going to be back up to scratch? Does he really want to make a run of things and be a dominant fullback and prove that he is a number one? Or is everyone going to keep saying that his best spot's wing? I think for him, that should be his motivation. Because every time he seems to get a run there, everyone keeps going, oh, well, he's the best winger. He shouldn't want to be a fullback. So I think he owes a little bit to the club, given the investment. Paid him fullback money, yeah. So, yeah, moving on from that one. Panthers, Tigers, 30 to 6. I think early on, was getting the feeling that the Panthers were going to give it to him, to be honest. As far as territory and pinning him and turning him around for the first 10 minutes, that just absolutely teed off on him. They got their bodies in. They really, really hurt him. Uh, it, it took an error, basically, after 10 minutes to give him their first opportunity. And Benji Marshall come up with a nice piece of magic there, find the fullback not at home, put a kick in. Um, they got back into the dogfight, and I thought, you know what, the Tigers are definitely here for probably 20, 25 minutes defensively, in particular on the edges. They did a real, really good job. They obviously know, as we all do, that Penrith are doing a good job in the middle. But with Coruscant not there, they are probably going to rely a bit more on shifting the ball, which, again, they did a good job uh, shutting that down early. They stayed on top of Crichton, Luai, Cleary, etc., hitting short of those back rowers. But at the end, it come down to Luai readjusting the game. They were pushing so hard from the inside and working so hard over to get to those edges. 
that once he propped back off that left foot and beat three or four guys, that just no one tied in. They were yeah. a bit disconnected and that kind of opened the floodgates after all that effort and energy to stay at six all and the good defensive work inside their 20. Uh, that kind of opened the floodgates. Mbai comes up with a terrible read where he runs up past the ball. Martin couldn't get an easier four-pointer. A sin bin and a penalty goal on half-time at 14-6. You're thinking, this could be in it. Mm-hmm. And again, they come out and they defend better with 12 players, don't concede. Um, and it kind of, in all honesty, got a bit ghetto for a bit. Lots of penalties, lots of niggle, but in the end, uh, the better side won. And Joey Leilua continues to prove again that he's just a clown. Like, <laughs> you, you could not gift... Well, I was in particular happy. I sent you a photo. I bet Crichton had a nice 50 on him to score it at $2. And Joey Leilua handed it to me on a silver platter. He got no football all night. He had no opportunities. And then Joey just decided to level him Joey. when he was chasing a kick. So... There's no better Free way. Money. There's no better way to win cash. So thank you for that, Joseph. Yeah. But I just again, I I, I, smart. I do sympathise with all the complaints and all the tigers, and in particular, you got your hoops and these guys like Ivan left us in a rabble. Rah, 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 rah. But at the same time, when they go and we now have a salary cap problem, they came into this offseason spruiking all this money they had in the fair income department, and they spent seven hundred or so on Adam Dewey, who's a good footballer, but he's not worth seven hundred thousand. They spent six hundred on Joey Leilua. And they bought his brother Luciano, who out of the three. Why you would buy someone like Joey Lailua? And then he's just brought the up. The answer is a pineapple. Yeah. And they brought up the obvious the other day that they don't respond well to a guy that's pretty heavy handed. Well, it's like, well, again, I know those contracts are bad and they don't suit his style of coaching, the way he handles things. And yeah, he's left them a little bit in the lurch there and paid overs because they had no juniors. And Ivan's a different style of coach and they're not his players. But at the same time. It's the thing the, the Tigers are always a victim. You yeah. can't. You got to stop being a victim and, and take some ownership over the situation that you are in. You know, no one. <laughs> they they let James Tedesco, the best player in the in the game, walk out the door. They let Ryan Pappenhausen, the second best fullback in the game, walk out the door. If you just kept one of them, you're probably a top eight side. One of them, you're a top eight side. So they didn't like let's get car. let's get fair income. Like yeah. You know, and and they've got a history of players going from that club to elsewhere and then having them play better. Mm. I think Michael Maguire is the best signing they've made in the last since since they signed Ivan. And unfortunately, Ivan did screw them. Yes, he did. Yeah, but yeah, but hang on a minute. But okay, so and I'm sure Ivan had hold his hands up and go. There's there's some decisions there that I got wrong. I don't blame okay? him for doing what he did. But what? Who else takes accountability for that? No one else in the organisation. No, which is my point. Like again, when, that's what I mean. You can't be a victim your when, whole life. When they bring up, and again, those contracts now look bad, and those players aren't playing well for that coach. But the whole point of those signings at that time, and we explained, they did pay overs. But you know why they pay overs? Because they got no juniors. Mm. We're working in the junior development. You're trying to change those pathways, and right now, which is the whole point of working on the 16s, the 18s, these development programs, is there was nothing. Yeah, but again, right? I could, I could go through the the three years. Uh, sitting as a coach in the pathways and how many of them go to Manly or the Bulldogs or yeah, Parramatta and then they expect to get results. No. But you, you don't have your best players available to you. You need to keep them. So it's one thing to you know, go... And, and, and why do they leave? Because it's fractured at Balma- the Balmain West joint venture. They don't particularly like each other, which is an issue within itself. But from a, from a junior player perspective... They're not called West Tigers. They're called West and Balmain. Mm. And, look, the West Tigers are doing fantastic work 
in that space at the moment. And they've identified this issue. Yeah. So they're trying to trying work to their it. best to, to fix it's it. It's not an overnight fix. Um, but, yeah, at this point in time, uh, firstly, there needs to be a first-grade side that they aspire to go and watch, uh, aspire to go and play. They want to stay at the club because I want to play with... And yeah. who's that player in first grade at the moment? There isn't. Harry Grant. Well, he's from Melbourne. <laughs> That's... You know, you know, for a long period of time there, it was definitely Benji Marshall and, and you know Robbie Farrer, and they were juniors. Um, and I know as such, but they like you look at when when they've been successful, they're the same as Penrith. When they have had successful periods during their um, they've had a club good history, group of juniors they've had juniors who have played together, wanted to stick together. Your Liam Fultons, your Chris Hyattons, yeah. all these guys pushing together as a group. Had success for a long period of time. You know, and nothing, nothing that I'm saying now is is yes. that yeah. I haven't said to the club. So, you know, I'd, it's I'm more frustrated. It's very difficult to coach there in the junior pathways when you've got someone tapping you on the shoulder, going, "We we really need to get better results." They want to talk about results and development in the same conversation, yeah, they don't and they don't. Hand. They sometimes they do. If you're at Penrith or Parramatta, when you've got 60 players who are up to that level of competition. Mm. Then you can those conversations go hand in hand, but when you're dealing with uh, three separate competitions, so the Balmain Junior League, the West Western Suburbs Junior League, and the Group Six Junior League all coexist. They're all separate. The West Junior League is now combined with Canterbury, so that might tell you some of the problems that you're having when Canterbury are nitpicking and cherry picking some of the players out of the West competition to go across there. But essentially, you've got a, you've got three diluted junior leagues, and then you're trying to combine all those players. You know, Balmain obviously go to Balmain, but Western Group Six. The first time a lot of those boys play together, as you know, is Harold Matthews, and you're diluting the uh, the standard of competition because it's cut in half. Yeah. If you cut the Penrith competition in half, you know, and had your, some of your better players in one side and and your weaker players in the other side, or vice versa, if you just chop the the quality in half, you're going to have uh, a lower standard of play. Yeah. It's simple as that. So, you know, this is that's the first issue that I identified there. And, you know, it's not a quick fix and a lot of it is because of MOUs uh, around how the competition's got to be structured and you know, there's, there's even issues that I had there, you know, in the Harold Matthews where you've got a 15 year old kid who can, uh, can play Harold Matthews. He can't play, but he GSA, can't play, which is a competition. He can't under. play in the uh, in the Andrew Johns or the Laurie Daly. Yeah, the country so championships. You, you're going okay, so he can play. He can play the yeah. harder level in elite, competition. but he can't play the pathway level. Yeah, and that's an MOU that's existed. So there's there's a, there's a lot of things there that are just limiting them from themselves. So yeah, like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Look, I think the best part uh, now is that all of those, you know, the top five grades are all run by the West Tigers, mm. which is a fantastic, um, you know, that, that that's the right structure and format to have moving forward. They've got Adam Hardigan, who is a good development um, and has a good understanding of what good development systems look like. Yeah, Rooster's um, pathway. Yeah, but, you know, he's gone through uh, Blacktown Patrician Brothers. He's close with Maddie Cameron, like myself, and, you know, you can learn a lot from hanging around and, and being in rooms with people that are smarter than you. And he's done that. He's spent <coughs> a significant amount of time with Trent Robinson at the Rooster. So 
that's a coup for the Tigers. I think Madge McGuire is the right coach. So from that perspective, they've got themselves sorted. Now it's just trying to sort out all these little nooks and crannies around but how you get the best out of your situation. There's no, there's no point... You know, and a lot of the time they go, oh, well, Penrith got this and Parra got that. And they worry about yourself. Yeah, not Work out what the Parra. best system is for you and how you develop players. And, and most importantly, how you develop your own, how you keep your own, and how you have your own aspire to play in your jersey. Mm. That's that's the one thing that I would say you've got. And it, look, it exists everywhere where you've got... It, your locality doesn't now necessarily mean that's the team you support. And that's no. globalisation. That's the world we live in. But we know here where we played, for the most part, kids want to be picked by Penrith. Yes. They want to stay and play at Penrith. If they don't get picked, they usually yeah. go elsewhere. But when they go elsewhere... It's our second choice. A lot of them try to prove a point and some of them come back. Like I've had kids that we've coached come through in particular. We spoke about the Bloor brothers. Sean's now there. I had Dean after you had Dean when I first come back from Canberra and coached him for two years and... He didn't get picked, and I thought he was probably the best half in the comp. So my first piece of advice is go elsewhere, and you will get picked. So where did mm-hmm. he go? He went to Balmain, and guess what happened 12 months later? He yeah. played the house down. Penrith wanted to bring him back. Where do you think he went? He just came straight back. Yeah. Um, sad for the Tigers or sad for Balmain when you have the guy and you think, oh, you know, you played here and we took you on board. But like you said, the relationship growing up here, you have an association with the area. A lot of people want to play for the area. They want to play for that team because that's where they're from. They have a link with the club. They want to play for that club. Parramatta's got the same kind of thing where a lot of their juniors will choose Parramatta first. But yeah, like you said out there, they're turning a lot of things around. They're changing that relationship. They're trying to put some emphasis on being the West Tigers, not West, not Balmain, not the fighting, to be what it is and what they exist as right now, which is a joint venture, the West Tigers, whether people like that or not, whichever side of the argument on. But yeah, more to the point, like every time people keep bringing it up, like it's done now, Yes, he did sign those players on those contracts, but he's a different style of coach. He would have brought a different environment, a different style of play, and they suited what Ivan did. Did it hurt that Ivan left and that Madge is a different operator and different style of coach and they're probably not players you wanted? Yes, but, you know, like I get it. People are angry about it. Those contracts look bad now, but it's a different coach, different methodology, different way you want to play. It hurts. It does hurt. And it particularly hurts that those guys haven't been in great form and probably aren't having the best of relationships with Imagine Maguire, which is not helping probably move them on from the club. But to hear any talk already after 18 months that what I read last we like, might get rid of Madge or there's pressure on Madge, like if you really want to turn this into a clusterfuck and just keep repeating the same cycle where players aren't happy or oh things are a little bit too hard or whatever, keep doing what you're doing. Did you hear what came out yesterday yeah, in terms of players walking meeting. on eggshells and... They came out and basically said, Madge, I said the other week, I don't know if the changes are the greatest idea, but for the players or everyone to be dictating kind of like, oh, we don't like this, or the other week they wanted to have more fun and have some beers on the way home, and they, they lost badly still. Like, at the end of the day, if you've got blokes that think training's too hard or you're too crazy or this is that... But again, and like, again, right, I'd say this. If I'm the head coach... Whether we win or lose, our process is the same. So if we if we win, and you know our done thing is that we uh, we play, we then do our recovery for the hour hour and a half or whatever it is in the sheds, and then we have a couple of beers. Like the players should be entitled to do that, regardless of whether they win or lose. Like I know myself. Like if we if we get flogged, I don't really feel like a beer. No, but I mean the players, if they're especially the way they're living at the moment, if they're training hard all week, they're not getting a lot of social interaction, um, they're playing, like they're entitled to have a beer in the shed after the game, win, lose or draw, Mm. in my opinion, uh, if if I'm the coach. Like they're adults. 
they're professional adults. They work their ass off all week. And, you know, for uh, six and a half out of the seven days, they're professionals and they're doing their best to win. After that, they're entitled to go and have a, a hamburger or a pizza and a, and a beer or two, surely. Well, Just like can... we all are on a Saturday yeah. night or a Friday night or whenever it is. Like, that's that's their downtime to... Yeah, I don't know. Match may be a little bit crazy and a bit high-strung, but he's the right person. Absolutely. And he will push for excellence and he will push. But if this or, club... Or, or just decide that fire someone his, his standards are too high for us yeah. as a club. Fire him and get someone else in. His and... standards are too high. We can't we can't handle that, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But be happy not to play finals football. Yeah. And again, who are you hiring? Who are you going to get? Yeah. Who's well, that's... Gonna, yeah, there you that's go. Yeah. If, if, you know... Someone might throw their hand in for the hat in the ring for the job, but who are they going to be? Who are the contenders going to be for that job? You're not getting a top line contender, and we go back to square one again. We, are we trying to appease the players? Are we trying to appease people within the factions that don't like this side, or he's too close to this? The fact person? of the matter is, he's won. He's won a comp in the England, UK. He's, he's won, won a comp, comp here. here. He knows yeah. what winner looks like. Yeah, and they need somebody like him to change the culture and change the way things are. So the board. It constantly changes and changes in the club and both sides pulling in different directions. Everyone just needs to stay the fuck out of the way yeah. and the board needs to back Michael Maguire. And they need to show patience because, like I said, rightfully so, some of those contracts are bad and they were done by the previous coach and they suited his style of play and his philosophy. So he doesn't have that privilege yet. Mm. I do put a little bit of argument, like I said at the start, that a few of the signings he just made, though I don't think were the greatest decisions financially either. But to be complaining that for next year or onwards... We've we got five players to fill in a million dollars, and we're in this bad situation. Well, again, you know that, so don't just put all the expectation on the coach as far as the results and go. I'll do a better job. You need to be patient. And what's pushing through? Like we've we've seen it. They're, they're trying to develop pathways and get players coming through right now, but there's nothing that's going to instantly solve everything in twelve months. Mm. So be patient. Hopefully, they can move on from a Russell Packer or Reynolds does get picked up or Moses Embai, who's getting paid an absolute stack. So they can make moves, but the right decision right now is not to fire Michael Maguire and start this process all over again. Yeah. The only other thing I will say is all the people laying the boot into Luke Brooks, I'll tell you right now, was it only two years ago he was the Dalian halfback of the year in a side that probably wasn't a whole lot better, mm. and he played well for Ivan Cleary? He's struggling right now, but as a half, bar probably Harry Grant, does he have anyone significantly great around him, supporting cast-wise, that's... Maximising his potential, like uh, I'm, look, and again, I'm, I'm not taking it away. I think from it's him. finger pointing, and yeah. it's an easy narrative, and, and it's easy, he's easy man to kick. So because yeah, he's on big wedge, and he come in early. I get all that, but my point is, if he was to leave right now and go to the Roosters or get picked up by someone who had a better side, Luke Brooks would play better. It's football. all hypothetical. I'm not defending the eight hundred thousand dollars and the performances, and everyone's pointing the finger now. Going, he's never played finals. Moses has done better. Teddy went here. Woods, etc. Like it's again. Say what you want to say, but I don't think Luke Brooks is your biggest problem. No, Let's put it that way. That narrative got pushed a lot yesterday, but yeah. I don't think Luke Brooks is the biggest problem they've got. No. Just saying. But yeah, to the point of that, uh, the back end of that game, now that we've gone on a massive rant, uh, yeah, just fell apart. They, uh, they had a bit of a good patch there at the start. They showed some resiliency. They defended quite well on their line, but... When push come to shove, the back end of that half with the sin bin and conceding those couple of quick tries and the back end of that again, stupidity of these penalties. I'm, I'm pretty sure Joey's going to get charged again. He decided to try and attack Dylan Edwards a couple of times. I think Dylan Edwards next time, if they do play, definitely just stay away from Joey Leilua. The shoulder charge it was missed live. Surely that's, that's going to get a charge. 
Not smart. I haven't seen it yet, but surely that's going to get a charge. Which one? The shoulder charge. Oh, it, yeah. And with his carryover points and repeated incidents, he'd probably be looking two weeks minimum. I'll have a look now while, so we're, while we're talking. He's going to be missing again, but yeah, apparently after yesterday's crisis meeting, they've already said that they walk on eggshells and there's going to be too many changes. Well, I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry to say, but there's going to be more changes because for the back end of this year and for the betterment of what's happening next year, if Harry Grant's moving on, I dare say it's time to stop playing Harry Grant and play Little because he's off contract and they're not sure and play the kid that they signed from the Queensland under-18s if he's physically ready and they think he's ready in Jape Simpkin to see mm. what they've got. Obviously, it doesn't help that they haven't been able to get Walters back on the field as a nine or a half after his ACL, but even for a Reynolds. If you're trying to get Reynolds out the door, there's only one way to put him in the front of the window, give him some games. Yeah. The Benji situation, uh, money-wise, they're going to move on from him, I think is a bad decision. I think you find a way to make him stay. I'm sure they'll be able to get rid of somebody and free up some money, but I don't think right now Benji is someone I'd be letting go of, regardless of the Brooks and Reynolds contracts. They've talked about Jock Madden a few times. His growth would have been stunted this year with no junior football, but even watching him play Cup the last couple of years, I don't think he's progressed as they probably would have hoped just yet. So right now, I still think Benji's in their best two. Surely within a million dollars and five players, if you even have to put a couple of guys in development and just suffer for another 12 months, you're better off keeping Benji around for 300k. He wasn't charged. He didn't get charged for the shoulder charge. No. Well, between, Matt who's dangerous contact. Between that and Marada Niakore busting Brandon Smith's jaw last week, what the fuck's the match review committee looking at? Well, I, I'm looking at it now. should yeah. just be a charge for stupidity. Honestly. It was a blatant shoulder charge. Didn't hurt him, but it's a shoulder charge. Yeah, it shouldn't matter. So, you know, if that's the definition of a shoulder charge, I don't know what it is. He did not get charged. That That's unbelievable. Yeah, well, that kind of sums everything up, doesn't it? But good win again by the Panthers. Uh, Kenny did a solid job filling in the halves again. Luai, that left edge, really, really good. Nath, solid night with a boot. Reese Martin continues to play really, really good football. Um, kick out, probably not a bad thing. He had the week off and... Just re-signed as well, Reese yeah. Martin. Yo's head knock, uh, not great, but perfect time to rest him. And Fish, I think, is the other one like I spoke about. It's probably time to give him a bit of a rest after the hard work he's done. you got Layota, you got Lainu. Jimmy Tarmow even, I think, has been great this year if you want to give him a bit of a shorter spell. But get Burns in, get Layota. Ted Ivano's had limited minutes. Get all those guys rolling the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Burton's, etc. So, good result. And let's go for these last two games. Storm, Eagles. 36, uh, first half, a lot of success down that left edge. Conceded that try from Fanua Blake from that tip on. Was a little bit worried that they conceded so softly and definitely wasn't the greatest performance by Melbourne. Expected probably more points with all the ball they had in the first half, but second half they ran away with it. Goal kicking probably could have helped out a little bit more from Cameron Smith, but the influx of players that came back in this week, I wasn't expecting things to be exactly smooth. They brought back in Hughes, Munster, Smith had some late changes in the forward pack and their back line changed again. The one thing that is certain, though, is that left edge has just got better and better as the years gone on, and Pappenhausen's ability to ball play uh, is continually improving. But Olam, Adokar, and him down that left edge were absolute fire. Cameron Smith, good return, definitely helps out in the kicking side of things. thought Munster and Hughes just steady, but, yeah, I, I didn't think it was the greatest game by Melbourne, but probably just shows Manly um, where they're at right now. They're definitely cooked. Pretty much. Poor Albert, not the yeah, best like debut. They ran plenty of traffic at him. They did, but Manly just short on. Well, they're not short on troops. Like 
they're just short on depth. Mm. That's a club issue. So they can use yeah, injuries all they want, heavy. but that's exactly right. They're top heavy. And like we said Farnu and Trebojevic Walker, so three key pieces, sure. But when we looked even last week at players used, they'd use less players than everybody. Yeah. Which is showing that again, you are relying on staying healthy and keeping your top end there. So when you do lose your top end, you don't have a lot to reach for. Rather than disperse your money a little bit more and have a better thirty or Again, we talk about problems within clubs or challenges they face. Manly's junior development, they've spent a lot of money the last few years trying to get some kids to come through. They've seen some seeds of it, but in the past, they've generally not had great juniors. So you probably do have to spend to get players in, or they have spent top heavy to keep their good players. But depth is always an issue, and players pushing through has been a bit of an issue. You'd like to think with the money they've invested the last few years poaching players in 16s and 18s that they'd see a few more come through in the next 12 to 18 months, in particular... Manasi Fine, whose brother is a junior representative front rower, and then you have Josh Schuster, who's a big body who's been playing more as a six, but in first grade, I think he's probably more likely to play as a back rower. Um, but those guys aren't quite ready. Ben Trebojevic has been spoken about, the third brother, his best position and what he ends up playing, I don't know, but same deal again. Had a couple of injuries, not ready to play first grade. Um, once you get a bit more of that coming through, that generally allows you a bit of leeway to have a bit more depth in your top 30 and not have to spend as much to bring players in externally. But yeah. right now, yeah, they're definitely too top-heavy. So, um, Fanua Blake, Tapia, a couple of those guys weren't too bad. But overall, Melbourne just the better side. Clunky or not, I guess the big issue for Melbourne is just a patch of injuries. They had a big spate of injuries and got a few back this week. And Kenny and Jackson, a few blokes were missing. Branko, and then they lose Seve to an ACL. Nelson got injured. They don't know if Kenny's going to be ready to go this week. So, um a bit up and down. Smith and Suley possibly ready for the finals, but for them, I guess, it's just getting to week one and hopefully having as many of those guys back on the field as possible. Yeah. In between now and then, uh, they just want to stay consistent. They maybe won't win all their games, but as long as they're in the top four and they get all those bodies back, week one, I think that would be their focus right now, just having all their troops on the park. And the last game of the round, Dogs 34-20, and I guess this just sums up the heartache for the Bulldogs this season. They've lost a lot of games close. They've been able to get a lead in a few games and be competitive, but every time they've got that lead, it's just been taken away. Mm. And the Raiders, not discrediting the Bulldogs, probably didn't take things as seriously. He rotated his whole starting pack again and looked to rest Josh and probably not use him for big minutes. But once he realised they are in that hole, it was a must-win game to be able to challenge the Roosters this week for a top four. He unleashed, and once they kind of hit top gear and realised the situation they were in, you would not have expected a side with 12 on the field and down eight to turn it around, or at least not in that period of the game. The fact that Jack White crashed over so softly twice during that sin-binning period, you just knew from there on that the Dogs' confidence was going to be shot, and yeah. Canberra scored a couple more soft tries after that. So all their hard work in the first half and a couple of good scramble efforts, in particular that Holland try and the Jackson try, couple of kicks and passes and good supports. Uh, it all accounted for nothing in the end, and the poor Bulldogs, just another result that slipped through their hands for all the effort they put in. Yeah. Look so. good early. Canberra off their game. But once possession evened out and Canberra held on to some pill and defended a little bit better, mm. they um, certainly well, woke it was up. a 22-0 second half. So. Yeah. Blown off the park in the second half. Yeah. Starling was great again. Jack, Papali, Tapine's been better once he's been healthy and on the field. Um, yeah, I guess anyone coming back to them, already mentioned it, Horsburg, probably not looking good right now. Gula, Soliola they'd be hoping for, which will increase their bench rotation heading to the finals. But what's on the field right now, I think, is close to what's better. Those two guys probably come in. Who do you drop? I don't know. 
uh, between Sutton, Harvey. Well, and... Sutton gets the punt if you bring in Gula back. Yep. Hudson That's... Young, I definitely think, even though he's uh, probably calmed down a little bit, got a bit crazy near the back end of the game the other night, but he's part of your rotation. You're keeping him in. Topine's been good. Yeah. Papa Soliola probably gets reintroduced to that rotation as well, but um, for now, they're just ticking the boxes. They're getting along nicely and they're winning. Starling's been good. Uh, Doggy's foreign, as always, when he's on the ball. Down that left-hand edge, he's great. Fatala Mariners obviously had a really, really good season, but just another tough result. Yep. The tips now to finish off last week. Uh, what do I have? I put them over here. I got seven. You got six, which now brings us even for the year on 94th. So there you go. The only one we had different, uh, I think, was the... And that's pretty good going. 95 is good going. Not bad considering, yeah. No, it is. Like, if you look at um, the score tipping comp, I mean, I'm leading that. And I reckon I'll maybe I've tipped one different to podcast to... Yep. No, same. 95. Well, the only different game we had this week, I back CS, you back Para. 95. So that was the difference. I had a good week in confidence this week too. After having a few slim weeks. I led the whole way in our confidence pool in the last three weeks. I went from first back to like seventh. Mm. But I think this week, because I tipped the Warriors and South, a few people dropped a couple of points. It's dragged me back into a log jam there. But Smart. This weekend is looking very difficult, I think. There's a few games there that are going to be hard. Well, we said, like, did, did I tip the Warriors in confidence? In the, no, in here. Yeah, we both tipped the Warriors. Ah, idiots. But you didn't in the real one. You tipped Knights. I know. We had the same Why round. Why do I do that? Except I put my two and one on... Seattle and the Warriors, you put your two on the opposite way. I was hoping. So I feel that's people. a point I've dropped in the school one. Then you know what's killed me though, and I looked at it the other week. About four weeks in a row, I kept putting my one or two pointer on an upset uh, game, hoping for a win. And in the end, it's half the reason I'm not leading anymore. But yeah. this weekend it paid off, so I was like, oh well, it's okay. kind of evened out. But this week, I think in confidence is going to cause some big problems because some of the big, the better sides are playing. So yeah. for us in that, usually they're your eight, seven, six, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be really hard. Yeah, there's well, a couple easy. of Penrith, you're eight. There's a couple of ter- yeah. There's a couple of terrible games though that you just don't yeah. know. So it's going to be hard to put a good value. Correct. I think uh, this is really going to blow up our confidence pool. Good, I hope so. So yeah, I hope it does, mate. First game, Brock. Here we go. It's the Brisbane Broncos against the Penrith Panthers, and I think Ivan could run out and play this week, and they'd still win by fifty. Mm. So. We're both on the Panthers, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think Duncan Dave O'Neill could run out and they still win. There you go. No lineups, but no lineups needed. Uh, for Penrith, will they rest players? I know Yo will definitely be out, but other than that, I'd like to think they might uh, try and churn their roster over a little bit and give some guys a run. But the Broncos are $11, Panthers are $1.04. The early Friday game, the Knights up against the Sharkies, Newcastle, Barnett probably in doubt, Safidi possibly. Back in the lineup, as far as the Sharks are concerned, Dugan went off last week uh, with a knee problem and Ramian had a head knock. Are they in? Are they out? I don't Good know. Luck. I'm going to tip Sharks. I'll stick with the Sharks as well. It's up at Newcastle, but they need to show a lot more. Best chance for the Sharks to get a scalp, lock themselves in, and probably end the Warriors' season finally. Would that be the first top eight side they've won, they've beat? Uh, I think it is. I don't think they're still... They beat Manly when Manly was in the top eight, I think, at the time. But I don't remember. They bashed Manly... That was weeks ago now. I think Manly was still in the eight, but okay. yeah, I don't know. You'd have to go back and look. But right now, they haven't... They right haven't now, they haven't beat anyone yeah. out of, like, say, Storm, Seahouse, those kind of yeah. sides, I don't think, yeah. Speaking of that, absolute cracker clash on Friday night, the way things have worked out now. Seahouse, good form the last two weeks, up against the Melbourne Storm at ANZ Stadium. Belter, so we're heading along. Looking forward to going and seeing that one. For Souths, as far as changes, you're expecting Johnston and Gagai back in the lineup. So, yes, they do lose Latrell, but I think Johnston's more than a 
capable replacement. Uh, they may play a little bit differently, but red-hot form for the Melbourne Storm. Some concern. Uh, Nelson's going to be out. Kenny Bromwich is still in doubt and obviously missing Dale Finucane, so they'll probably be a bit lighter on the interchange side of things. And as far as their right edge is concerned, they finished the game with Nico Hines and Lumi Lumi, who had a pretty good debut game just quietly, um, former Sharks and junior rep player. But this week with Seve out, Branko possibly back, I'm not sure who's going to be on that right edge, but I kind of think there's potential for an upset again here. You reckon South can win? I do think South can win. I don't I'm not going to tip South, but Storm. as far as uh, betting goes, if you followed me last week, there was two upsets of good value. South were one of them at over three bucks, and the Warriors were one of them, and I got both of them. So yeah, well, we both we both were on the Warriors. This one at two sixty, I think again, if you were confident at one to twelve, depending on who gets named, uh, you'd probably get about three twenty. So well, who's missing for Melbourne? Well, Nelson will be out. Kenny's potentially still out, and I don't know who's playing on the right edge. Mm. Hughes, Munster, Smith will all be better for a week run. Um, yeah, it'll be close. It's more like just like Melbourne. Like when, when they're missing a couple of, like Dale and a couple of guys, like the bench last week, sure, Shonig and those did an okay job, but if you're telling me this week, Shonig, Chris Lewis, and that are going to play big minutes when Colin Matungi and those guys, guys come on the field, I think the bench rotation's not as strong. Tino might start at lock. He's, he's effective. I, I like when we have him and Nelson coming off the bench, to be honest. You just, they've been playing with little... Grass snakes, South. Now they're going to deal with a python. Oh. He's going to get in and strangle you and make but it difficult. Both on Melbourne, but good value for South if you like them at $2.60, $1.50 for Melbourne. The early Saturday game, Doggies versus Titans. Again, ANZ Stadium for the Dogs. Will he make wholesale changes again? Uh, Thompson and Alvarillo rested last week, but not really good to hear already that Thompson's been struggling. Been away from home. His partner hasn't met to come here, obviously. Well, I'd be struggling as well. He's away from his kids. Well, he's by himself. COVID he's times, he's, he's got no one really to hang out with. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a, lo- a long-term issue. I think just in I the short term, he's struggling. Because we're not saying the best of him. I'd like to think, you know, he'll be... Ha- he needs a full off-season. Yeah, needs, full off-season. Yeah, but you also need to be happy. If yeah. you're not happy, you're going to struggle. So, yeah. um, fingers crossed he sticks it out. There was some genuine concern that he may not, but hopefully that turns around. Yeah, I'm tipping the Titans. I'm tipping the Titans as well, but again, um, it's no knock on your but if there's another one of these games they've got a chance to win, if they get... Oh, know, the Doggies are playing great footy. If they get an arm wrestle, there's a good chance, but yeah. again, I don't know who's going to be, if anyone's back for you, but uh, Moe's back this week, that's a big in, yeah, massive. but I don't know about anyone else, and for the Dogs, he'll probably put Averillo and Thompson back in, but yeah, I'll stick with the Titans with the way they're playing, Dollar eighty-five, dollar ninety-five For the Dogs, Eagles-Tigers is a hard one, I think the Eagles... Still no Tom as far as anyone else from the yeah, weekend. I'm, I'm all over the West Tigers. Yeah? Yeah. Big time. There you go. Well, I'm going to go with the Eagles with not a whole lot of confidence, but... I couldn't. The Eagles have been... Me, I'm just not liking, again, what I'm hearing out of the Tigers. And again, to say, oh, we're walking on eggshells, we're struggling. Madge is talking about already making more changes again this week. I hope he gets a response and I hope they respond, but I'm not liking the noise that's coming out of there right now, so... Mm. Flip a coin. This is one of those ones I'm talking about. Yeah, no 235. I'll take that every yeah. day of the week. 235. Like you said, Tigers, sixty Manly. Absolute corker. Saturday night. Raiders, Roosters down there in Canberra. Luke Keary. Is this three weeks now? Yeah. Potentially back. I don't know. They originally said it could be three to six. I, I don't think they'll push it. They're too smart for that. Cordon <sighs> Tupo. They'll probably be no Crichton. Sonny Bill, potentially his first game again. For someone who hasn't played in six months coming off the bench, I don't think it makes a huge difference, but they were great last week. For Canberra, they can't start as slow as what they did last week, and I highly doubt Ricky will be rotating his forwards or resting Josh this week. Yeah. Big, big 
expectation here will be put on Papali to lead the way. Tarpany needs to play the way he's been playing the last few weeks. He's been outstanding. He needs to help out there. Outside backs probably need to be a little bit better. They haven't been too sharp the last few weeks. I think Charles has been a little bit quiet, actually, the last few weeks. A bit more error-prone. But they're going to need to be very, very tidy because I think the Roosters pack in particular last week and the way they move the, the footy around uh, will be good. But if it's Flanagan Hutchison, probably makes things a bit more of an even contest. But yeah, Jack and George need to step up here along with Papali. I'm going with the Roosters to go down there and get the job done to hold on to that top four spot. But Roosters. I'll feel a lot more confident, particularly if Kiri's back this week. But from all reports, that's not going to be the case. If so, big job for Hutchison and Flanagan. But on the flip side, yeah, same deal for the Raiders. You need a couple of those younger guys to do a better job. They need to be really, really steady. And it's on Jack and George to lead him around the field. But both on the Chooks, they're $1.48. The Raiders, bit of value if you like them there at home. Uh, potentially a slippery wet night, $2.75. The Sunday games, the Warriors up against the Parramatta Eels. Parramatta is going to be field more than likely in the halves because he's actually played a few games. Salmon is a guy who got some game time there the last few years, but he hasn't played any football this year, so I doubt he'll be in. Mm. Don't expect any other real changes, but I think Brown being out's a huge blow. The war is you're expecting a pretty similar side. No, we're good on the weekend. I'm going the upset again. I'm going to, I'm going to back the Warriors to knock Parramatta off. Oh, I'm going to go Para. Para need to respond, plain and simple. If there's a game you need to respond, this is a team that's been playing to a top eight standard. They've challenged Penrith. They've challenged the Roosters. They've pushed everyone for 80 minutes. And other teams that have been near the bottom of the eight or in the eight have melted from the pressure that they've applied and the way they've played their football. So if the Warriors keep this play consistent as they have the last few weeks and play for the duration of 80 minutes and make it a real arm wrestle. The challenge here for Parramatta number one is to fix up their edges defensively because there's no doubt they'll move the ball when they get into good ball. They need to be much better defensively in yardage and applying pressure and they can't just decide they're going to play tag when they get into trouble and try and shift their way out. They need to actually establish a roll on, get the ruck moving, move the football when they get into good ball. You can't just start throwing cutout passes and trying to play a flat play of the balls inside yardage. It's just not going to work. So huge pressure this week on Moses to actually get the football, start running, challenge the line, and help out a lot more than what he has been. Because Brown, to me, has been carrying the ball. Well, time. That, that's a... Sunday Arbo football. Yeah, see, I, I like that for Parra. I like Parra on a day track. I like it for Warriors too, though. Because I don't think they're going to be able to flat track bully him through the middle like they like to. I think yeah. the Warriors will meet him there. But definitely this is a real good gauge for both these sides. But Warriors, 285, good value. Again, like South, I like I'm them. I'm going Parra. This is my last chance for Parra. Yeah, this is... They lose here, I'm breaking up with them. Oof, got that. And uh, last game of the round, Cowboys, Dragons. Again, who knows what you're going to get here. It is up in North Queensland. Later game, so it's going to be a long day for the Dragons. Travel-wise, changes this week. Vaughn's still suspended for another week. I don't really know. They talk Tarek might be back, so possibly an inclusion for him. North Queensland, Morgan's going to be out. Is it Arcee? Do they push... Drink water back up and bring Hammer back in a week after they said they were going to arrest him. Does he go to a wing and Holmes go to fullback? I really don't know. Me either. But I think... I'll tip Dragons, but I think the travel will even this game up. Yeah, and I have zero confidence, but I'm going to tip the Cowboys. I think the Dragons should win, but I have no confidence in just, like you said, the travel. Yeah. A poor effort last week, back at home. Um, I hope to see more from the Cowboys, but God knows. This is one of those ones I'm talking about for our confidence that could kill some people this week. Yeah. Because I just don't know what kind of value you're going to place on this game because I have no idea what I'm going to get. So, yeah. 
Not much hoops this week, Boxhead. No. Not, Celtics won yesterday. Not much buzz either. No, not those hoops, mate. Oh, hoops. hoops. I, thought you meant, I thought you meant the NBA. No. Well, Celts won the game one, didn't they? They won game one, yeah. Good means. The NFL, close. Close, man. We're both big fans of the NFL. Two so. weeks yesterday. It was, what's it now? September? Well, it's one week Friday. This time, the first game. Was it this time last year? I left about three weeks this time last year to go over. Yeah. Went and watched the Patriots a couple of times. Saw Lakers Heat, Bucks Clippers, Celtics Toronto, that same game. I watched the opener, the home opener for this season in Boston. (sighs) San Francisco Seahawks. Yeah, no, definitely not this year. I went at the right time. Houston KC. Shit's uh, got crazy over there. Next Friday. We've actually got a couple of people that have started to tweet in uh, from America that have got on board. Astro. Good. One of the hashtags there. He's been writing a fair bit the last few weeks. Good to see you're on board with the great game of rugby league, mate. Keep spreading the good word over there in the US of A. It's Borat. Yes, That's it. Borat, US of A. Very nice. How good. Wraps us up for another week. Let's see how those... Watch Hard Knocks. That's what you should be watching. Hard Knocks. Yeah. I listened to uh, GM Shuffle the other day. Lombardi said this year's been... Pretty shit. Pretty ordinary. He's yeah, not it has happy. been pretty shit. He's saying that the narrative's pretty crap and they don't do enough around the coaches or follow them and it's just been pretty... Yeah. Lombardi can be a little bit negative at times. I do like Lombardi, though. So do I. He's good. So do I. He's good, eh? Be happier. Mm. There you go, everyone. We're getting uh, closer to that back end of the season again. Some great lineups this weekend. Top four clash. Roosters, Raiders for that spot there. Storm up against South. We're going to see really what South are made of. You've got the Warriors and the Sharks game against Newcastle that have importance to see if they've still got a chance to fight their way in the eight, whether that window is going to be open for a head-to-head clash next week. So some good games there. Anyone anyone who's got para Penrith tickets who wants to sell them, <laughs> inboxes. Yeah, what's the go? Because I want to go. I would have gone last week. I didn't know you were going to I footy. I want to go. I want to so, come back. No, a couple of the boys got tickets, so Timmy and, Cut me in. and Bush who listen, they, um, they got some tickets and... So I thought, well, I'll see. We sat on the hill and drunk beer and then went to the paceway and drunk beer. Yeah, I know. It was great. I only saw it on the page that you asked for a ticket. And I wasn't feeling that that good the next day, so... I would have got on the schoonies with you, mate, like Buzz and been left red cheek. It would have been a good time. Yeah. But, you know... Anyway. There you go. Power Penrith. Two tickets. I'll pay a million dollars for them. You cut me out or are you taking someone else? What's the game? Nah, whatever. I'll get as many tickets as we can get. Yeah, if anyone's got one, I'm willing to pay. I'm willing to pay cash. I asked about the open air box. Again? Yeah, we did an open air box for Penrith. We get shot Canberra. down. Surely we got shot sold. down. Yeah, I thought they would have been sold. sold. I had a few mates so. that are para fans say that the other week when we went going, oh, what about that game? I said, highly unlikely, unfortunately. But, yeah, for everybody out there, that wraps us up for another week. Fingers crossed if your team's in that top eight jostling for a top four spot or some home final or a better position, they get it if you're outside the eight. Yeah, what about us? Uh, you know, what do you do? Just fingers crossed you finish the year on a strong note. Keep sucking the bag. Bit of good development and good times. But getting to the point into the season now, spring carnival's around, it's getting warmer. Yeah. Good Bring on times. the horses. Parapenter of tickets for the last time. Just reminding if anyone wants to sell them to us. Send us an inbox. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. Enjoy Purple your fans. rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.